Alright everybody, welcome to episode number 16 of It's Server Time. It's been a couple of months, but there's been a lot of moving parts here. Actually, mostly just me, who was, uh, who was working Flashpoint, and then uh, just kind of hanging out in LA and whatnot. But we've got a guest! We've got Junior. Uh, recently played for Furia. Uh, Junior, though, welcome welcome to the pod. Thanks for, thanks for hopping on. Thank you, boys. Glad to, glad to be here. Alright, okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna basically start by getting into a Q&A. We don't usually do a Q&A section, but we have a we have a guy that's done a lot recently. We've Junior's been through a lot. We've watched him go through the trials and tribulations of switching to an all Portuguese speaking lineup, which then converted to speaking English to try to accommodate him. But to start things off, Junior, I'm I'm kind of curious um maybe let, we'll save the the language barrier for later but how did it feel moving from triumph to furia kind of in terms of the organizations mm -hmm. it was right away you could tell the difference because like everything was like with triumph they're, they're professional still but like when you hit furia everything they, there's they have like a person for every aspect of the org like stream social media of course and then they have like even more little like smaller parts and it really like opened my eyes about how like professional professional is it's done yeah it's kind of similar i remember to uh like when i was working with the atk guys and then we joined cloud nine just like the massive step up in terms of like yeah going from atk which is like pretty loose to cloud nine which is like has a person for everything like the sponsors are like a lot more serious in terms of what you can and can't do shit like that mm. it's definitely yeah. it's like a big adjustment to take for sure. I'm kind of curious, like, what it was, what it was like working for you with uh, with Gary specifically. Like, I know that, at least in my experience with him, he was he seemed like a really good coach. But this is pretty early when they came here, so I'm just curious mm -hmm. how he how it was now. With him, he's literally like, he's the rock inferior. He does literally everything, like match days. He does all the prep, all the counter strating, all in like in EU match days. But like. 3 p.m., 4 p.m., and he'd wake up at like 11 o'clock and do the counter strating, do all the prep for like the whole best of three that we had. It was crazy. I've never seen anything like it. And he, he like he's in, he's in his zone, so like you can't really talk to him when he's doing it. And it was really it's like really interesting to see. How about for me? Yeah, Matt? I'm. For, okay, yeah, mix. What do you no, no, I was gonna say I'm kind of the same when I'm like doing prep for my team and like. I was like at the C9 house, we're doing prep, and people would like try to come up and bother me. I'd be like, "Stop fucking talking to me! Like I'm mm -hmm. in the zone. You're distracting me. Yeah. You're, you're ruining my work." <laughs> shut up! Shut up! <laughs> did, did you guys have an analyst for Furia? No, we did not. Okay, so, so he did all of it. Wow. Okay. Damn. So yeah, I'm curious then. Uh, game to game, what is he? What's he bringing? Is Art bringing the game plan? Is it Gary? Is it? It's both, I'm sure. Like in some mm. respects, like what what was the back and forth like between those two? Um, it would start with like Gary doing, like rewatching their matches, and then he'd bring the ideas to Art, and then Art would like Gary would tell Art like what what we did or what what they did, mm. and then Art would be Art would come up with a game plan, and then he would they would discuss it and fix it, and then they would like bring it on to the rest of the team. How easy or difficult was it to incorporate a game plan into your style? I know you had 
uh, kind of individual difficulties on the team, like your rating was not 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 nearly as good as it was for Triumph or anything like that. And watching you in the surfer, sometimes sometimes I thought like you looked actually weirdly more comfortable on T sides in my eyes. Uh, like was I don't know like it, like sometimes when you were battle oping, like I remember on Mirage for example when you guys were playing against Navi, sometimes you guys broke down some pretty tough situations uh, to to beat them or to at least look really competitive against them. So that was what I was taking then. But I mean, like, what was... I mean, okay, what were the hard parts and easy parts of, of bringing, like, a, a Furia game plan, like, to your mm -hmm. style? In my style, it, it, the T side was, like, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever dealt with in Counter-Strike. Yeah. Because, okay. like, if I, if I was... Because I'm an, I'm an opera, so I, I'm used to, like, calling my own set plays and routes. Yeah. But for Furia, that's not really a thing. Okay. You gotta, like, you gotta adapt to Art's route and what Art wants to do for that round. Mm -hmm. So it was it was kind of difficult for me to play T sides, but CT sides, I got to do basically like whatever I want as offers should. Okay, then definitely that's just me taking uh, a very particular match and like extrapolating upon it. Mm -hmm. It was just that it was just that one game, I guess, but. Um, okay, let me think about, uh, okay, so, so let's, let's maybe get into it just a little bit. The language barrier for them, they were, they were definitely competent at speaking English that I know a few of them played, played FPL occasionally, for example, like I'm sure they knew basic callouts, but when they had to explain, like, did you guys even get into explaining concepts or anything like that? Or was it just like, you do this? It was the concept part of the game was all art. Because he he speaks like the best English probably, but with Finny, pretty even. Yeah. But it there wasn't really like any in depth talk. But if there was in depth talk, it'd be in Portuguese, and then Vinny would translate it or Art would translate it. That's how it would like the deep in game topic talks went. So so what's like a concept that you took from Furia that is there anything that was like mind blowing like oh my god the way you guys see the game is so much different than me? Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. that was like. It's really hard to like understand how they play, but once like Art's explaining it to you, you're like, "Wow, that makes perfect sense." But then like, it's hard to see as you're watching the game what Art's thinking. But when he explains what he's thinking, you're like, "Like this guy's a genius." Okay. Okay. Like, uh, do you have any examples? Ah. Uh... It's it's weird because when he's when we're watching matches back and he's explaining like why he did this, I'm like, how do you think of this in this situation? Like we're getting con split on A, and he's like jumping through con smokes back and forth, and I'm like, what's going what's going through your head here? Like he gets two kills and he keeps going, and he's yeah. and but when he so like. To me, that's like you get two. It's like a five v three. We're good. You can relax. But then in his head, it's like he needs to get more, or else, like we're, we could lose that five v three based on the map control that the T's have, which was understandable. Okay, so yeah, I get what he's saying. Like, because yeah. it's like you get into like a five v three in that situation, especially like a con split, and like you fall passive and you lose more map control, and then like one person dies, and mm -hmm. then suddenly you know. You've like completely lost a numbers advantage on the site, and so he's like, he's worried. He's worried about the round like instantly turning back, like the tide mm -hmm. instantly turning back to to the tees. So he's like, going keep, try, for even more. Yeah, like yeah, trying to keep yeah. the pressure up to like kind of continue stalking yeah. like the split. 
That does that does relate a lot to how when Yakinder came on this podcast, he talked about how in five v four advantages, they still don't want to lose info. They they still want to know mm-hmm. everything that's going on. Uh, and I think that's that's kind of been um, I'd say like a not necessarily a revelation. Like pe- teams have been doing this for a long time, but I think in in fundamental terms, people would always be like, if you have a man advantage, you should just turtle a little. AFK, yeah, yeah. But but I think that is. Okay, so what do you think about that? Like, does that... Do you think, actually... Um, and this is not related to Furia, but even in your own opinion, do you think in a 5v3, 5v4, you should... Like, how passive... Like, I guess, yeah, how passive should you play in a 5v3, you think, on CT side? I think it, it depends on, like, where your team's positioned on the map and where the opera is. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, like say Mirage for example it's 5v3 the opera can just play, play CT there can be a guy like like flashing the ramp or palace and then you have the round one but I think you can't let's play AFK on a 5v3 because the T's can like easily trade it out into a 2v, 2v3 yeah. and like the bombs, bombs down the T opera's still alive and you just lose yeah I'm always worried about like you still need like have info in some way because like you have like because like you said like you're in like a five v three mirage right you're like your CT opera like CT you have like one dude that's just like hiding on a site or like you know just playing a site like default or something and then maybe you have like another guy that's like stairs like at that point I feel like you really like you might not have like enough info especially if like you're kind of split up on B because you know because you know the T's can instantly just like go up cat or something especially if they have like a smoke to like block off the con guy and then like you slightly fuck up on B like one person like gets killed without being able to make a trade you know you instantly just end up in like a 2v3 and they have like the b-bomb site like that's not really a situation i generally want to be in as a ct like i want to try to keep the pressure up in some way yeah i feel like good i think it's also just contextual on your utility and your buy in general right like if you're on a 5v3 but you have like three mp9s a deagle and an m4 like by nature you're going to want to be a little bit more aggressive anyway because by giving up that much positioning with those sort of guns, you're just not gonna like you can get death balled pretty easily, I think. Yeah, with MP9s, I don't want my team to stop holding W. I just want them to yeah. run and gun the entire time. That's definitely tough. It can depend because I'm always worried about like what's happening on the other side of the map and what positions you're in and like how quickly you can help if like you know you kind of get split up on the map because it's yeah. really easy to like miss out on one kill or miss out on one trade. And then lose the bomb site into a two v three, which is like always like super winnable for the T's, especially if you're like low on util. Mm, yeah. I mean, taking it a little back to Furia for a second, I'm just curious. Like, I think the last couple of months, at least, like the team struggled a little bit, and I think even Art specifically struggled a little bit versus how he was. I think a little bit at the start of the year. So, like for example, for EPL and for. Um, for I am Katowice. Um, I'm just wondering, like, what was that like for you guys internally during those tournaments? Like, what, did it feel like something was just off compared to when you first joined the team? Um, not not really, because every match kind of felt the same. Um, there wasn't like much like change happening. Like art from from when I started to when I decided to bench myself. Our the the change really wasn't crazy. 
there was a couple matches where like it was crazy where like when we lost to cloud nine 16 one and 16 four oh. that was that was like one of the worst like the worst matches i've ever been really? a part of that's the only good match we had so <laughs> <laughs> it was that's the only match i would say like you could tell there's like a huge difference like and switched in him but then he get like after them the next tournament after that he like turned it back on and started being like doing art things well from the community i was led to believe that you guys actually just threw that game for seeding and so that one actually didn't count for us <laughs> yeah the community is always right <laughs> actually uh speak speaking of the community I, I was curious when you moved from triumph to furia like what i'm sure you your visibility increase and i'm sure your follower count and all that stuff increased on twitter and whatnot uh you like what was the interaction like with the fans was it a positive experience a negative experience did it motivate you hurt you what it was i would say it was always a positive okay because like if it was negative i can't speak portuguese and or read it <laughs> so it didn't really like change my mind yeah but like when they when like they were, the portuguese fans were talking to me they would speak english so i could like yeah understand it and it was mostly like 90 i'd say 95 percent positive like the furia fans are like insane that's pretty cool i feel like the mibr fans are kind are of pretty yeah. yeah yeah i was gonna say that the, the difference between mibr and furia fans is crazy and that's, they're all from brazil that's interesting i think okay brazilian fans don't have the best best rep in the cs space i would say and i think yeah. that's mostly actually just mibr fans because furia like what do you think it is about the team that that brings out maybe the best of brazilian fans i think it's weird because i think it's like what i it's, i don't know how to describe it but like what furia stands for is like they're always professional no matter like what shitty like event happens they'll yeah. always be like the professional out of it and i think like the fans of furia recognize that and they're like because they're not dumb they if they're going to represent furia they're not going to be like toxic and yeah you know what i mean yeah i get i get you okay that's yeah so so for me that specifically just reminds me of like the the whole i think it was a, a round restart or something that yeah. happened between furia mm -hmm. and, and mibr yep. like mm -hmm. quite a while ago where yeah. Fury was like, we're just gonna let Gary handle it, and then yeah, yeah. Fury were pissed about it. That's how it goes. Yeah, yeah. A lot of. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking of what happened with, with Flashpoint, but let's uh, let's just move. That's not. That's not. That's, you know, we don't. There's a can <laughs> moving of worms swiftly there. onward. <laughs> there's a can of worms we don't need to open. But that's actually pretty cool. Just to remark on that, I think that 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 does actually make so much sense because because I feel like everybody from Furia just comes across as so respectable. Uh, Art just always keeps, like, he always has a really good tone in interviews. Uh, Vinny yeah. just seems so humble and modest all the time. Serato, we don't hear as much from, but, you know, you feel like he just does his talking in the server. And uh, Yuri, also just kind of the same deal for me. Like, mm -hmm. there's very little, like, I don't have any negative opinions about really any of them, actually, outside the server. Like, yeah, probably. yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I have a really positive opinion outside of the server for them, because like my first event was Zotac Cup Americas, and I went there with like not knowing anyone, never having interviewed a single player before, and I got there on the media day, which I didn't realize, so it was a little bit weird because all the teams were just practicing, and Furia was just like, "Come chill with us," and I sat up there while they were practicing for like four hours. Gary and Jamie were just talking to me. 
It was super chill, dude. Those guys like welcomed me like a family. It was kind of sick. That's yeah, they, with me since. Yeah. Everyone that they meet, they like include them in their family. It's it's weird. I've never met anything like it. As an American, it's like weird because like if you're out of your like comfort zone and you see like a big group of people, you think that like they won't involve you because you're American. There's like the whole the whole click thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not a part of us and like leave it, leave me alone. But they go out of their way to like come bring you into them and like make you feel make you feel at home. So so that totally happened when you were on the team. Yeah. Yeah. They they made sure to include you in everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could even tell like the situation for for you seemed like pretty decent in terms of like, you know obviously it's still like a big like culture difference, just like naturally. It's something that's always gonna be hard to like kinda get over naturally, especially like the language barrier outside of the game and stuff. But like they still I think seem to do like a pretty good job of like including you and stuff compared mm-hmm. to like maybe like from like some of the stories that have been told about like when MIBR brought on Stewie and you know he was like the lone American in the team and like you know obviously they were friends with him and stuff but it wasn't really like the same type of thing where it kind of, kind of seemed like Stewie kind of felt like you know kind of like an outcast compared to the rest mm-hmm. of them before Tarek joined yeah that um they invited me to like do everything that they were doing as a group but sometimes it would get like all into portuguese and they would have to like it's hard for them to switch back yeah they have to like they have to be like mindful of it yeah Yeah. they have they have to think that like they need to speak and think in english when i'm there it's a difficult thing to do for sure Mm -hmm. i'm sure if people start drinking they're just going to speak in their native tongue more than (laughs) (laughs) it's probably so difficult actually um Okay, uh, I'm I'm curious about uh, still still stuff that when you were playing with them, it it seems like in the very beginning you guys you guys beat NIP pretty early on. I think did you you beat Navi too, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, and then it it kind of like stuttered after that. Uh, kind of things started to seem they seem like they started getting harder. Why why do you think that happened? I think when we started. No teams, EU teams, had any idea like how I would fit into Fear, into Furia, because uh-huh. I think my playstyle, they would, they might expect my playstyle to be into Furia, and that's how it started. Because like me and Art would double op aggressively a lot, and then as it like calmed down, Art started rifling, and like I had I started playing passive, which I should never do, mm-hmm. and then. That's how. That's when we started having hiccups, and then I had to, like, rebuild my confidence to be, like, the aggressive opera I am. And then that's that's whenever we had hiccups. I had, I had to like bring myself back up after. Like, it's weird because when I was on Triumph, I had I could do, basically anything, and like they had to listen to me. Mm-hmm. But on Furia, I had to like, I couldn't do whatever I wanted, and that kind of like that was like a thing for me to get over. I had to like play a certain way for like certain things to happen into the round. Hmm. I was gonna ask just before you brought up Triumph, like that sort of struggle. At least it seemed like it wasn't something you really experienced on Triumph, mm-hmm. or if you did, you were able to sort of pull yourself out of it. Um, so with like not being able to adapt your own style in Furia, like what what were you trying to do to to sort of recover from that? 
Um, when I was in Triumph, I didn't really have like, maybe I had like a bad series, mm -hmm. but then after that, like I was really good at resetting myself. But on Furia, whenever I had to have a bad series, like on Fury, you're the like overdog. So you expect to win, you're expected to win like every game. And on Triumph, it, you were the underdog. So if, like, say the it might be our game with Grim when the Grim had his, his hundred God knows how many kills, and we still lost. It still felt like we won. But like if we were Furia and we played like um like tier three EU team and we lost, then that like that adds onto the pressure that you have to play good. And if you don't, then like you get attacked by literally everything, everything and everyone. Hmm. Okay. Um, what do, what do you think? So I, I kind of glanced at the teams you played when you were on Triumph versus the teams you played on, on, on Furia. And I mean, the caliber of opponents really did increase on a consistent basis. Like on, on Triumph, you did play the occasional, you know, top team, but they were usually North American based, uh, like I would assume EG, uh, or Liquid or, uh, you know, MIBR kind of teams, but Furia, you're battling, you know, VP, Navi, uh, FPX. I, I like, I'm, I'm just trying to even recall all the team. Like it was so many tier one teams. What do you think is the biggest step from playing mostly kind of NA based teams to world-class competition? Um, I think the biggest thing I recognize is that if you're, if you're like, if you don't play a situation correctly, you will get punished 100% of the times because they don't miss shots. Like, if you get, like, I played Yekendar. Oh my God. I played him <laughs> and I couldn't peek anything. If I, I, I couldn't re peek. Like, if I was in NA, I would re peek like three times and kill them all. But if I peeked this guy, I was gone like before I could even blink. And he did this to me like four times, four rounds in a row. And I was like, wow, can I get a break? <laughs> That's just how it is. That's kind of how it feels whenever you play, whenever you scrim, like, any CIS team. Like, even if oh, you've never yeah. heard of any of them, you're there's always, deleted. like, one dude on the other team that's just deleting you. Like, running drive through smokes. No fucking chance. You're not even playing wrong. <laughs> He's just insta-deleting you. Yeah. Like, some dude you've never heard of. <laughs> That's the biggest thing I recognize is that you get, like, they don't miss. They don't miss their shots. And so that's if they peek you, if they peek you, you die. Yeah, or if you peek them and you miss, you die. How about... I mean, you bring. Okay, yeah, go for it. I was gonna say you, you're bringing up the Kinder, but like before you before you started playing for Furia, you talked to me about how simple was an inspiration for you. So like, what was it like finally playing against him oh, yeah. a, a bunch? It was it was funny because I've watched so many matches of his that like I was telling my team like where he's at. It was, it was there was a certain round I don't remember where like the whole team. Like I had, I was like IGLing my team because I saw Simple do something that I saw in a like three demos, and I knew exactly what he was doing next. And I've never like experienced that before. So you felt like you had a better read on Simple, probably. Yeah. Your Kinder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually awesome. <laughs> uh, how about how about on the the more tactical side? Were there teams that? That like in the mid late round you're just confused or did Fury Gambit Gambit yeah Gambit yeah, Gambit yeah Gambit's the team that I would say I would if I like won a match and I'm like I have to play Gambit I'm like fuck yeah. Gambit 
No, any any team but Gambit. Gambit's the one team that I'm like, wow, I don't want to play these guys. Why? Why is that? The, they they don't make mistakes, and if they make a mistake, it's just because that one player whiffs, and then they have four more players who don't whiff. Right. So they they don't. You can't. There's no flaw in their game. They don't. They don't mess up. They don't whiff. They all five of them know the role, what they need to do to win, and it's it's crazy. It's like Astralis 2018. Okay, actually, that uh, about Gambit more specific. Um, no, we'll we'll talk about Gambit. We'll talk about Gambit more. We'll all get our opinions in on Gambit. I, I think we'll try to close out the the kind of Q and A side. Okay, so mix mix. You have any more questions for for Junior? No, I'm good. Okay. No, you got anything? You got anything left in the tank? Uh, oh, okay. Well, I have one actually. I, I don't think so. Let's go for it. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm curious. Uh, okay, so Sheikh Zula, everybody props him up as being. Uh, a really, really strong IGL for the North American scene that's been coming up for a while. He's on Bad News Bears now. Uh, we'll get into maybe like our thoughts on Bad News Bears as a whole. But like when you were playing under him, what are some things that you liked about his calling style? I think if he like, we j- I joke with him a lot, but he knows it that like he he loses his hands too much. But now he's gotten a lot better. What do you mean? But whenever, what like, what do you mean losing his hands? Like, he doesn't shoot. Like uh, his mouth, his mouth stops. Yeah. <laughs> like with JT, we call that Johnny. Shoot your gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then, like, if I think he could, if he like fixed that, I think he could be one of the best IGLs in the world. Like for him, I think he made me like who I am because he he told me like you need to do this and if this this and this and if you need any help or anything let me know and he always has like it's i think every opera under shake zula will always shine because he like he makes makes it known that the opera is like that like the number one like the number one guy like you need if you if the opera says anything like the four riflers have to like stop what they're doing and listen to him and it was really it was really cool to play under when are we seeing the reunion but i do a similar thing in my teams where i'm always like if the opera wants to do something it's like they're the one player in the team that has like the green light to be selfish like at all times Mm -hmm. like if they want to do something then we fucking listen to them and we we do like the peak that they want to do or the play that they want to do especially on ct sides t sides it can be a little bit different yeah but on but on on ct sides it's like you know i always says something do it yeah Yeah. whatever the opera wants to do you're you're playing around him yeah I think in a lot of ways, I think people don't realize that like a lot of CT sides, even for top teams, probably rely heavily around the opera. And at times, like the opera is probably even like calling more than like the whoever IGL. the actual yeah, yeah whoever the IGL is. Yeah. Uh, actually, I I just thought of so many more questions now uh, that that you said that I I'm curious. Uh, kind of, um, you played with Grim also for a while when you were on that team, and he's been doing pretty. He's been doing like like he didn't. I will say he's not like excelling on Liquid, but he's doing solid. He's doing he's mm-hmm. doing really solid work. Uh, how is it playing with him as a teammate? I think he's. I'm not like I don't want to be biased here, but I think he could literally be the best rifler in the world if he was in his bot. Yeah, if he was he more comfortable. Yeah, if he was more comfortable, like because on on Triumph he had every role he wanted. 
he was with yeah. his like super close friends so this guy literally this guy was an aimbot i watched him i've seen him do things i don't think i'll ever see any player do again it was it's crazy to it's he's insane like if liquid could figure out a way to incorporate him with the liege then the liquid would just like they're already like a top five ten team they'd just skyrocket instantly yeah i don't think i was just kidding. i don't think they've done like well enough to like incorporate him into, yeah. into the team yet i was gonna say that's just such a shit spot to be in for liquid because you're like we could have this guy as one of the best rifles in the world, but then we have Elise. Like that's yeah. such a gamble to take to be like, let's unseat Elise from some of his best spots and put Grim in. So I can see yeah. why that would be a little rough. Yeah. If kinda... if Liquid didn't have Elise, Grim would be like top five rifler. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's a bold claim. Okay. Yeah, but at the moment, Grim is literally just playing. I don't think it's. I mean, it is kind of bold, but I don't think it's like that outlandish because at the moment, Grim literally is probably like at the bottom of like the totem pole in terms of like um, the players in Liquid in terms of like the resources and kind of like the spots they get. Yeah. He's pretty much playing mostly like anchor spots, like T side. I think he's kind of just feeling as well. Mm-hmm. Like in his mind, he probably thinks it's like all these players are better than me, so I'm just trying to like make them more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But I think as time goes on and as Liquid kind of evolves, kind of the way they're going to have to go is like trying to, to get Grim more incorporated and like more. Like playing like a bigger role within the team. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think people forget how good Grim is just because he's playing the anchor and doing the bitch stuff on Liquid that no one wants to do. Because mm-hmm. watching him play is like, he's the best aim. He's insane. Do you think he has better aim than Elige? It's, it's weird because Elige has really good aim, but like, Elige has like a, is, he's really smart and has like the best spray in the game. So yeah. like Elijah's like brain gets him a lot of kills, but Grim's aim and like his ability to like one eighty flick shroud aimbot <laughs> yeah. three sixty people is insane. Mm. Yeah, unless Elijah like just gets like deleted in a round, I never see Elijah lose like a gunfight. Yeah. Like I feel, I feel like whenever he has, takes a gunfight that goes past like the initial bullet, like Elijah just always wins it. Mm-hmm. Like the if he, yeah. If Elijah hits the first dink, you die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then Elijah's on five ping. So you just lose. <laughs> well, everybody's gonna be on five ping pretty soon, hopefully. <laughs> do you think? Uh, do you think playing with Furia in the, I guess the online era hurt at all, or do you think the problem? Like, I mean, do you think if you played on LAN, it would have made any difference? Yeah, I think so. Cause I was away from home for like five and a half months. That's yeah. like the oboe effect, right. where oboe oboe got tired of it as well. And it's it's really hard for an American to go away from their home with different like a different culture for five months. Oh, yeah. But like mm-hmm. I think if it was land, there would be like there'd be some North America lands, right? So you'd yeah. come home and visit for yeah, it a, happened with floppy as weeks. well. Yeah, Ricky. it's just it's not even it's not even yeah. so much that like being able to go home, but it's like you go to like Europe or wherever, you know, you're stuck in another country and you're playing for like all these like just online events. Rather than like you know going to lands of like cool atmospheres, and, people, you know, yeah, 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 being around people and playing for like events that like really really matter and like you desperately want to win. Like you still want to mm-hmm. win online, obviously, but it's never going to be the same. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're like stuck in like Europe at these like weird places, playing like online events all day that are all just kind of feel the same. Rather than like traveling around, getting to go to like different events, experience yeah. like new things, meet new people, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh. 
my god, look at all these spoiled players. They get paid to play the video game and yeah. they complain about where they're staying. <laughs> I know. It's actually one of the dumbest arguments, by the way. During matches, yeah, we're just playing video games, like having fun, you know, with the boys. Yeah, <laughs> <Matches>. is. <laughs> just kicking back on Xbox Live, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like the only person that's, that's kind of survived this. Oh no, Mix, you ruined everything. He'll be back in 10 seconds. Yeah, please, okay, he'll be back. Okay, but but okay, I think the only person that's that's really survived it all has been has been Rush, actually. Rush, yeah. Yeah, yeah right? so I was thinking. Yeah, his, his role kind of makes sense for it, though, because he knows, like, in the macro what he's supposed to do all the time. Like, he's so good at just being the soldier, and he's not, I mean... You know, it's nice if he hits shots, but at the same time, complexity's game plan is almost like rush. If you don't get a kill, it's fine. Config will clean up. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you don't have to worry. I mean, about. you say that, but I was watching the little blast overtime segment that happened with Config mm -hmm. uh, uh, like two well. days ago or something. Yeah. And he was talking about how like rush was really like he felt that rush was really depressed, actually. Depressed. Like, at some yeah, point, it's like because he was just sitting there alone in a hotel in Denmark or something. And he yeah. was like, I can't wait until we get back to land because then he'll be able to be like, a little more in his element right so right yeah i think the yeah. the only I, I guess the other north american is twist but twist at least gets to be living with his girlfriend that's like a totally yeah different and he chose it's different. it yeah he yeah chose twist it. like chose it like he wanted to live there it's like different from like going like living in like a hotel and shit mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay all right i think we'll kind of move away from the the q a portion uh of this one and we'll get into Patreon questions before we get into kind of like recent tournament results and news. So the the first Patreon question, and these have been backed up for a while. So I, I think they're all still like timely enough. They're like broad enough questions. So the first one that was from Essential Worker, and he said, do you think Valve making the decisions to change VACBAN rules for going to their events is an indicator that they are going to start giving the esports scene more attention? So he's talking about how like uh, what Yampy, for example, and VSM got unbanned a while back. Uh, this question's probably a month ago or so, but and he said getting rid of some lifetime bans is good, but for everyone else, like map pool changes, they haven't quite come. Okay, wait, actually, Ancient did come, and the economy is still busted. <laughs> so we kind of saw a little bit of this actually yeah. uh, move on from there. So basically, I, I, I guess for his question to be more timely, do we think that Valve is going to start getting more involved again? Because they've shown some signs. They've changed Ancient, they've removed some lifetime bans, uh, the major is happening in, in Stockholm pretty soon. Uh, what, what do you guys? What, what do you think? Well, okay. So quickly, just just for clarification on the on the way they changed the ban rule, they basically said that if you'd played in a major qualifier event after you got or you got if you got vac banned after you played in a major qualifier event. So in essence, like if you were aware that there was a pro circuit, uh, and then you got a vac ban, then you're not eligible to play in any more like Valve events. But if you got vac banned before you played in any major events, then you then you are still eligible. I think that that's the essence of it. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if I'm misremembering, but I think that was actually like that was directly in response to like some specific case of a player. I think like the reason they made this change was because there was some specific case that was brought up for like 11 year old player or something like that. Was it was it Yampy? Was it about Yampy or not? I don't think it was directly about Yampy. I, I think, think it was so. about another okay. player. Um, but I might be entirely misquoting that. Regardless, I don't think Valve's like really getting more involved overall. 
I think the ancient change was like long overdue. Honestly, mm -hmm. like we needed a map pool change. The last one was like over two years. You needed ago, to change basically. like four maps a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> just to keep I think interested. The feeling I got is that Valve was waiting to have a major before they changed the map pool again, because that was that. That's just generally how they've always done it. Like there's been a major and then they changed the map like a month or two later. Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously with it just getting pushed down, mm -hmm. like pushed down the road over and over, they they at some point just decided to pull the trigger. Um, to me, the fact that the Deagle is still in the current state that it is with so many people talking about how like the two shot body shot is ridiculously OP right now is like the, the fact that they haven't addressed that at all among like the other economy issues that are around with the second round T force by like none of these seem to actually have been addressed by them yet. And to me, that just shows that they haven't really made an effort quite yet. Like they've done some very like some changes, but none of them are are really prompt at all. Yeah, in my years of playing, I haven't been convinced enough to think that Valve will ever care about the Counter-Strike esports scene. Hmm. Okay, Mix, do you have any you have any more thoughts on it? Uh, no. Okay, yeah. I think I think it's going <laughs> to just kind of stay the same. I I think the laissez-faire approach that Valve has is is fine actually, but I think that I think we all at this point wanted a little bit more and it just doesn't it doesn't even have to be too much uh, you know just just some kind of obvious rotation for a map pool uh a couple things like the unbanning was good but you know the match fixing stuff from i mean mm -hmm. being those the i by power guys being made an example in the way they are like eventually that felt forgivable like they've served their sentence i would say um i just i mean i I'm not trying to like I'm not going to make an excuse for Valve necessarily, but I would rather it be a more hands-on approach than too hands-on. I don't really love oh. like the riot. Kind of like speaking the, of Valve, do you want some yeah. live news? Oh, what what just something happened else down? So so this is in Dota though. Oh, but okay. so Valve. apparently in regards to <laughs> no, no, no no this is this is very relevant to the major later this year. Um because the international was supposed to be in Sweden, the international mm -hmm. 10 they were supposed to like qualify for like an elite uh, elite sporting event, which is like how they get like the visas and stuff. And now Sweden has like denied that oh. to like the international. So now they're having to like find somewhere else in Europe to hold the international because they can't do it in Stockholm most likely unless they reconsider. So that also has obviously major implications on oh, the major later in the year. Oh my god! In terms of like if they're gonna, oh, no. <laughs> in terms of if they're gonna be able to host it somewhere, but they yeah. did say that like they feel confident they'll be able to like find somewhere else in Europe if they need to 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 host it. But you know, hope that's another thing. Oh my god! Speaking on something like that. <laughs> so Sweden, Sweden finally gets a major, and this is what happens. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. They apparently like Sweden had assured them that like they would qualify and they'd be fine, like they get all their visas and stuff, and then now yeah. suddenly Sweden's like, nah. Wow. JK. Wow. <laughs> yeah. At least kind uh, of speaking of Valve, because that was a uh, that's kind of that's also very relevant to Counter Strike, obviously, in terms of later in the year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is kind of funny that Valve to like to show some love for the esports scene did that thing where they released all the the rmr the top rmr stickers so like gen g got a <laughs> sticker even though they were out of the game oh uh, yeah that was that was funny i'm almost so excited for that <laughs> like, <laughs> shit, i got a sticker <laughs> 100 thieves gen g uh i'm sure there was like another team or two but yeah that's uh we'll move on to the next patreon question so first sock says what kind of habits do you have <laughs> Christ. what kind of yeah, habits do you, do you have that every guy does for like 
In other words, someone scratching their balls and sniffing it. What you don't need to answer. I don't do that. That was not the example. If you don't want to answer this, but why? Can anybody think of any? I don't know. That, that I was trying to think of one, but like I really can't. Like, yeah, I don't. I, I don't get really it. Think of one. I don't know if it's the example that just threw me off and like <laughs> didn't let me think of another one. Now or I'm what? like, now I'm like, I can't think of anything that I do that is like remotely related to that. That's bros being bros. This is. <laughs> Uh, I burp out. He needed loud. a better example for me to know what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, for here. real. If I have to burp, I'm gonna burp. I'll I'll say that's my bro being bro moment. Like I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna hold that in. I, I've been I've been thrown off. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't I know that's just such a ridiculous one. First off, I think had a had a different question at first, and he said, "You know what? I don't want to ask the same question to buy the numbers and you guys. So let me ask this crazy one." But okay, sorry we couldn't give you the the best answer <laughs> for that one. I guess. <laughs> Uh, let's move on. Jigglypuffing says, buyouts aside, what is a team you would make using the bench players and free agents right now? Oh, okay. That's relevant. Do you think organizations that don't get a team soon will experience FOMO when the major does come around? Uh, so for the first part of that question, what is a team you would make using bench players and free agents right now? We got, we got one player right here. We got, we got Junior. So who else could we put on this on this? Table? All right, so this isn't this isn't a very up to date list, but this is just off of quick Google search with an HLT forum post for you guys to look up. Okay. Some Sorry. of them are not free agents anymore. Okay, so we got. I'll just I'll just name people on this list that I think are relevant. We've got NBK. Uh, we've got. I, I guess. Well, these players, like the Flusha team, I'm not including. Or I guess Esper. Okay, so well, Esperanto, Flusha, Sunny, MSL. That's that's pretty good. Um, you've got. I mean, he. I feel like Alex is still out there. I'm not sure Alex? what he's doing. Oh my god! Yeah, Alex is there. S attack's there too. Yep. Uh, S attack is like your role player. Yeah, S attack. That's what I wanted him to be. But, yeah. This is uh <laughs> this this list has a lot of people that have moved on at this point. Listen, you get Alex as your IGL. You get S attack as like your OP Zitnix role player. Yes. And then you just gotta find an opper and you gotta find two you star riflers. Easy enough. Then you, then you get Junior. Junior, junior can be do you good. Get, you get NBK as your kind of like glue guy, veteran. No, rifler. that's what S attack is. What? I thought <laughs> S attack's gonna be a star rifler. No, he's he's like the Zitnix guy. Okay. That's what he should be. Okay. That's his best role. Okay. Okay, Trust well, me. okay Mix, you gotta make your stand now. Do you want, do you want Alex <laughs> or do you want MSL? Um, I'll say Alex just for recency. You worked with both. You worked with both of them. <laughs> okay. But I think, yeah. But I really like Alex's style. Okay. Alex over MSL. Interesting. I like Alex because he frags better. That's that's my thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, Alex is like he's one of those players. It's like similar to like how Vanity was. Like, there's always like these type of players. Like Golden's like kind of similar, except for recently where he's like really bad. <laughs> but like these players were like sometimes they have like insane mechanics and they're literally dropping like 35 kills on you in regulation. Yeah. And like they're literally hard carrying, and then they'll also have games where they're literally like they have like four kills, and they can't hit the side of like anything. Right. He lost his hand. Like twenty of the year. Lost yeah. his hand. As yeah. Well. Sometimes I he's think... carrying, other times he loses his hands. I think if Zeppa came back to CS, he could be Ooh. he could be like if he was a star rifler on a on like if I'd say on Cloud Nine, even if he was, I don't even know if he was like in the star role. But if he if but he still like performed super well, and I I played with Zeppa as well, and he's like, he's yeah, like, Zeppa's really good. He's insane, yeah. 
Okay. Same with hmm. same with Floppy. I think Floppy was up there with Grim on the like the next like big NA rifler. Mm -hmm. I was. Yeah, we had like a lot of good pieces on that team, and then they just they just didn't work for whatever reason. Wonder why. Wonder why. Wonder why. <laughs> we've we've talked about it. We've talked about it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, shouts out to uh, that at C9 Win guy who's making a ten part documentary or something about the death of the Cloud Nine roster. He's like going really <laughs> oh, in depth with it. He said he's already got I think one part done. But oh shit, Nifty. Nifty. Yeah, Nifty. I know. I was gonna make the joke. Nifty wouldn't, <laughs> Nifty wouldn't make my list, guys. Oh, I I probably put Calix on a team right now though. I put Calix on. Oh, Calix. Yeah. Yeah. Calix was pretty good. Calix yeah. was like one of those players that like I was just scared to face when he was NA and Envy. Because yeah. he just hit like every insane shot. He was a shining spot on that that lineup. He was actually consistently putting up numbers. I thought he was better than Mihu, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But we see who, which I think one. He's probably the best player on that team. I would agree. Yeah. I think Calix was the best player on it. Um you could get ZTR as, as well. Just kidding. He's not he's not benched or anything. He's just on the young ninjas now. Um, right. Remember Jane on Heretics? He was like farming when he was on Heretics, and then apparently his attitude was like really bad, so he just got Jane? cut. And I've never heard G A J E Y N. He's a French player. I don't know who that is. No. Do you remember last year? There was like a period where Heretics made like top twenty, and they were they literally like were dominating one of the RMR events or something. But and this guy was like this guy was like supposed to be like the next big like French star. And then, like, he got cut from Heretics for his attitude issues, and he just hasn't really been around since then. Oh, he pulled an infinite. Okay. Yeah, kind of. Pretty much. <laughs> no, um, okay. Uh, I think we can move into news. I, unless, unless there's just, like, some random free agent that you guys are, that we didn't hit. I, I, think, we, I think we covered most of them. Uh, I, I mean, did you give a full roster? Okay, if, we did a full ro if I did a full roster, I'll combine kind of what Mick said and what... I'd actually kind of like to see, like, Kenny S with Alex. It's kind of like a Kenny S. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like a small thing. I think Kenny S with Alex would be pretty good. Okay. See if he can come back to form. <laughs> yeah. The French connection. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. He's he's doing a lot on on the streams nowadays. On stream, yeah. Yeah. No. He's he's pretty he's excited chilling. to that actually. And he's getting good good viewership as well, which you would expect, I would say. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We didn't mention cold, so there's there's oh, yeah. there's True. cold zero. True. Uh, okay. Let's let's move let's move on to news though. Let's move on to news. Let's talk about some recent results. So we've got the Blast Spring Finals just finished, and Gambit took it over Navi. Gambit only lost a single map in that entire tournament. They lost Ancient to Navi actually, and Simple had a really good performance there to take him down on that one map. And I made a YouTube video about that on this channel. But going back to the tournament and what you guys thought about it. Junior, any any takes about the Blast Fall Finals? Did any did any team or the Spring Finals? Did any team surprise you at the Spring Finals? Um, hold on, I gotta look at the event. I don't think any pretty, team. Like, yeah, it was pretty cut and dry. Me. It for actually the most part. almost fell exactly as their HLTV rankings were. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think it went much as expected. Navi Gambit, like battling. Yeah, Gambit. Like I think people expected Navi to win since they could yeah. Gambit struggled to beat them, but Gambit just showed why they're the best team in the world again. Yeah. I kinda wanted Big to have like another good performance after they started off beating G two, but they kinda fell just kinda flat after that. They didn't really do anything. Yeah, they Complexity also just kinda ended up where I would kind of expect them to. Mm -hmm. 
I do like yeah. what what I'm seeing out of G2 though. Like they're looking better yeah, over look over the course of time. Yeah, yeah. I think Almanac's coming good into the op role really well. Yeah. What do you What do you think of Almanac as an opera? I think Almanac. I, I I think Nico should not be opping. That's for sure. Nico's the best, one of the best rufflers in the world. Mm-hmm. So I think if Almanac can get the op role down, that that team is pretty like is like real pretty set because they have Jack as an entry who like. He's sick. Aims like yeah, and then they have Hunter obviously, and then Nico. So like you can't, and then Nexa I think is like one of the best fragging. IGLs. Yeah, Nexa had an insane game. Yeah, uh, against the uh, Navi. Mm-hmm. I think that lineup's pretty complete. If Omanek has a little more time opping, I think they'll be re- super, super, super good. Would you? Okay, so Hampus on the HLTV confirmed podcast said that that he said that Omanek is the best player on G two. Can you agree with that statement? No. What? I I, I can see what he's saying, but. Like he's saying, he's like I think people, important. Yeah, I think like, people also like they get like kind of caught up sometimes in terms of like. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's pretty clear that like Nico is the best player, but like yeah, because I it's like so. the general consensus, right. and because like Omnic is probably a bit like underrated, you kind of like go a bit past that and you say actually Omnic is like the best player on G two. Yeah. Which I mean, maybe I've done myself before when I said Config was like the best player on Complexity, but you know. When you didn't include Zaiwu on your on your like top five player list or whatever, dude, that's not that wasn't even the point I was doing. <laughs> the roster, I'm Montu, being different. The Montu over Zaiwu thing you said before, yeah, yeah. I never said Montu was better than Zaiwu. <laughs> I just said I just said okay, I'm gonna do something without Zaiwu. Okay, Let's see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, I think I think that was. <laughs> That was like a, a statement to stir the pot, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really all it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, for, for you and Hampus, both of you guys just saying things like that, I think. Um, I'm, okay, actually, something, I mean, it's related, it up. Is, is instead of instead of talking about the teams, Junior, what, what have you thought about Ancient? Blast was a tournament where we saw it a handful of times. We saw it at IM Summer 2. What, what are your thoughts on the map? I think it's pretty good, actually. There's a lot of it's like super fresh and it's not like Vertigo where it's yeah. an A simulator retake spam through smoke. Yeah. But I think if once Valve, I think they will do it since they do it to every map they add. They need to like remove some super like OP spots, some that give the T's more chance to play the game. There's like a lot of I know on B site there's like a whole there's like four hallways with you need to clear every single corner there mm-hmm. and then. They need to like remove a lot of the unnecessary like corners and stuff. Yeah. I okay. I think the one spot that has been multi like everybody multifrags like crazy from is I call it pocket. It's on B, and it's like if you come out of cave, mm-hmm. it's to your right, and if you yeah. come up the mm-hmm. ramp, it's mm-hmm. to your left. Like that yeah. area, like you have to molly. If you don't molly it. That guy just gets two kills every single time because he can play off of every angle in the bomb site incredibly well. And for them to peek out a cave, they have to left eye peek him. And for them to come out a ramp, like they basically have to expose themselves to like ten different things before they can finally clear that. I think yeah, because it's such a deep angle that you have yeah, to swing so wide. Yeah, that spot is way too. I think that should be a slant or something. I don't think it should be like that deep pocket. If it were a slant yeah. instead, I think it could be a lot better. I think that's how that's how Valorant changed a couple of, of maps into certain spots to make them less strong, and I think that's really necessary. Un- unless they want to change B entirely, I think that that would be that would be a, a spot I would like to see change. Junior, are there any other spots that? What like- I've known playing the map is that if I'm opping A, and the team is coming out of like the A cemetery thing from T side, from like the little like 
the the A main like from or? their spawn, yeah. Okay. And then they come into the A site as an op player. I'm literally I have so many right eye peaks yeah. that I can peek into and then also fall back into, and it's it's super broken. There's there's no way anybody will like. There's no way a flash can get you. There's no way a molly can get you. The only hope is that you miss. Even if they do, you just back up to the next spot. Y- yeah. Yeah. There's too many like off fallback spots on a site. Yeah. In the like two or three ancient matches that I've watched, like any sort of pure a long rush like that has just never worked out. If the other team has an op, like never. I've only ever seen a splits work out. Yeah. yeah. You have you have to get other control to take a. Oh. Yeah. It's so desperate looking because the thing is that also like once you get on a the plant spots aren't very good either so oh yeah true in, you just where do you go yeah. like i i think navi there's no way to play a post plant on a site no yeah. unless you like push them to be honest the plant spots on both uh, on both bomb sites are pretty dog shit on ancient like b least... around that tiny pillar is not great either yeah at least you get the pillar at b uh but, yeah but at a you're just you're shit out of a luck couple boxes it. yeah um yeah Okay, for my own selfish reasons, Junior, I made this video about uh, how I think the bomb sites should be switched names because I feel like B plays like an A and A plays like a B. What is mm-hmm. you, would you would you think it makes sense just off the bat? Yeah, I can agree with that based off the current current maps because yeah. B players don't really get any action. Yeah, but and yeah. on ancient, it's B every time, like Mirage A. Yeah. Okay. All right, good. We got, we got a Mau- Maui snakes ego swelled just slightly larger. <laughs> we got a confirmation there. We got a confirmation there. Yeah, um, I don't know if they'll do it, but I, I hope they do honestly because it just doesn't fe- just doesn't feel right. But doesn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess. Um, let's see. I mean, with with ancient, you said it's not like Vertigo. I'm sure the the public would like to hear your opinion on like where on your map ranking tier list would you put Vertigo? Um. I think it would be sixth right now, next to Dust Two, because I think Dust Two is the worst map, worst map in the pool. Mm. Not because I play on Furia, but because <laughs> it's just horrible. I think it'd be Dust Two and then Vertigo right after it. Agreed. Yeah, yep. I fucking hate Vertigo. It it just Vertigo's. Yeah, I think maybe Vertigo as a rifler is fun, but as an opera, it's just like a snooze fest. I don't know. I just hate like, like every aspect of it. Like none of it is fun to me. Like a yeah. control. Like, I don't know. I just don't like any of it. Yeah, I agree. The coolest thing. The only the fun last... part is like a run boost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the coolest thing ever was was Furia doing the triple boost. Like that's actually mm-hmm. it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That was literally oh, the most fun thing I've ever seen on that map. I don't, I, um, we have they we made another boost. I don't think oh. we've used it yet, but <laughs> oh, we made shit. another boost. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. I don't know who found it, but we have another one. Yeah. I, Furia I, I, manager, delete this, please. I'm actually not even gonna. <laughs> ask you about it because i don't want you to re- like fury's gonna bust that out at some point during a big tournament right yeah for sure yeah okay all right all right that's i think wait we have used it actually oh yeah we hell? used it we used it In we used it against gambit yeah we used it against gambit okay it's like a quicker way to get on top of the a the a thing the, the original boost but it's like a two-man way faster boost oh yeah yeah, yeah. i did i think yeah, i remember yeah, we, seeing it we you used get it. on top of one of the pylons or something right yeah, we used it, and then like, if you're in, if you're a T and T spawn, you can hear the players jumping on the on each other's head. And Gambit cleared us whenever we were doing it because we wow. like missed the jump once. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we have used it. Let's let's um, I, I will I, okay. Well, I'll bring it back to Blast just for a little bit here. Uh, we we talked about 
G2 briefly. Unless, Mix, do you have anything you want to say about, about G2? We didn't even get really your thoughts on them. Uh, no, I'm good. Okay, okay. Um, we haven't we didn't really talk about Navi too much actually, and Navi came in second place. They've been doing pretty well lately. I mean, they've been doing damn well, honestly. They're top. They're pretty much a lock for top four, if not even top two of every tournament they play in. It feels like. So, what what are you what do you what are you liking about about Navi Junior? I like Bit. I think Bit is like a good yeah. good third man to Electronic and Simple. Mm-hmm. I think if Simple and Electronic are on a team, they shouldn't like bomb out of a tournament or leave top five yeah so i think bit is like a good fresh blood for them because he is also like he has like a 67 percent headshot percentage right now and it's that's 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 insane yeah i think he's he's as as more he plays more i think navi will only get better yeah i i I think that change was like long overdue for them to swap out flame me for a bit permanently I like how they kind of framed it as if it was a six-man thing, and then they were like, "I think that was their way. That had to be their way of just saying we're gonna integrate bit, but we gotta feel him out for a couple of games first, and then once they did, he looked better on Inferno immediately than yeah. Flamey did. And I'd say for pretty much every other map, I think that he's superior at this point. I think his decision making is actually quite good. Where I feel like Flamey's was a lot." it's almost like it's almost like uh flamey just kept going through the motions over and over again on every bomb site that i watched him on but bit i've seen be he's a little bit more versatile and sometimes he'll even like take just enough initiative to find a pick and fall off like he can be a little sneaky too like he can be a little bit like he kind of seems annoying to play against in certain situations whereas flamey like fought to the death so much like er- he was so frequently like if flamey it was really with flamey he either kills four of them or gets traded yeah ramp he, yeah ramp nuke yeah exactly <laughs> that, that, that was just too frequent with him so bit just seems like a more like he's a more modern player where like i think i think older players it just feels like this is where i make my last stand and die with bit it's kind of like more a little more hit and run which is which is yeah. nice. yeah he, he also like He's pretty good at refragging whenever I've watched him, just because he, like, if he swings out and he knows where someone is, like, he's coming in with that instant headshot. Like, it's mm-hmm. actually kind of scary sometimes to watch, because they've replayed from the other person's POV sometimes, and he just, like, you're dead. The second he peeks out, just instantly mm-hmm. at dead. Yeah, I think the also, to, to Navi's credit, like, I think we all see the rounds occasionally where it's just Navi runs out of time. They make this just really bad mm-hmm. mid round or something. And it just, it's just like they, they lose like, but G2 do the same thing. And everybody right now is praising G2 for their T sides, but I've seen them run out of time more times than I've seen Navi run out of time in the last uh, tournament. So I, I think that it's, it's kind of like there's a bias there it just the thing is with Navi, we just, we just all feel like they're so close to being the best team so if they just iron out those few kinks, they would be. Uh, and it's almost, it's not unfair because we're fans or analysts or even, you know, players. And everybody says it, that Navi's T-sides could be a little bit better. But I don't think, they're not, they're not good. But they're not, they're not, like, abhorrent. They're not, like, the worst thing in the world that I've ever seen. Um, do you guys think, do you guys think Boomich is a, a legit IGL? Or do you think that it's still... Too much blade. I feel like it's. Still I too heard much blade and probably too much simple yeah. as well. Yeah, I heard blade. He did an interview 
after one of the matches and he said there's times where bit doesn't react as fast as players like simple and electronic do oh yeah mm -hmm. i heard that too yeah. that yeah it might come into a factor but i've also i'm also impressed to see navi winning without simple being the simple show that's like something cool to see because every time you watch navi you expect simple to go like plus 30 1.5 rating yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good point, and I think I think you bring a bit to begin with is is probably a reason why they can do that now because Bit yeah. is a consistent contributor. Uh, Perfecto is only kind of seems like he's he's only gotten just steadily better. He's definitely like he's definitely not a liability on that team. Um, Boomich is is kind of for me the biggest liability. We're like he just he just wants info all the time, uh, and and that's kind of. That seems kind of art esque, you know. He he just he just always thinks that it, even though we're in a four v four v two five v three, I I want to make sure we have more info. And so in theory, some of it makes sense, but it it does feel to me that anytime they're in a man up situation, the first guy that's gonna die is gonna be Boomage, and that's. But it, it's almost just like it, it happens so much that I I uh, have to be a little results oriented. And think that okay, you're dying a little bit too frequently and not safely enough. But they still are making top two at tournaments very regularly. Mm. I just felt I think like it was about. I think it was about time that Simple got like. I mean, I don't think it's time yet, but I think if Simple is as long as Simple is playing Counter Strike at the level he is, I think he should be winning or like coming second in almost every tournament he plays, because he's just like. I think even this year has showed it even more that he's like a step ahead of every single player. I think especially Zaiwu, but Zaiwu is still, you know, Zaiwu. Yeah. I think Simple is just like too good to be not winning every tournament. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Okay. So, so you're on record saying that Simple's better than Zaiwu. Yes. That is, that is me putting that in, into record. <laughs> Simple should be number one four years in a row. I. I actually. Oh my goodness! I think I, I think I total. Do I agree about 2019? Uh, Not Zai rookie year, but I was being yeah. a little exaggerated. But Zai rookie year was insane. I think I think three out of the four years, I think simple would have been should be number. Yeah. One. I think 2019. Yeah. There's a there's definitely a case for Zai there, but but last year I thought simple was better actually. Yeah, I mean I I did as well. And this year for sure so far he's been. Yeah. Better. Yeah. Yeah. No I mean, Blast was the first tournament this year that Simple dropped below a 1.30 rating. Yeah. <laughs> like, event rating. <laughs> what the hell? And it was still a 1.21 rating. <laughs> God. It's Wait, just absurd. This most recent Blast? Yeah, yeah. This recent Blast, he was at, like, a 1.21, I think. But oh, every yeah. other event this year, he's been at, like, a 1.3 plus. Oh, my God. Okay. I remember playing Simple when he had every single game, he had, like, a 1.5 rating. We played we played them twice and simple like it was it was crazy. It's never seen before. Yeah. Like he doesn't you, you'll never see anything like it. I don't I don't know if if we'll ever see, like to find someone with this much just like willpower and work ethic and talent like it's just the perfect storm of everything in, in him mm -hmm. as a player. So I think thankfully I mean, judging by the viewership, people are appreciating it. Like people are watching Navi more than any other team right now. So it's uh, it's 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 good to see that. Uh, I kind of want to talk about uh another team that was at Blast, and I kind of thought about them because of the stats here. 
is actually complexity. Config had the best rating at Blast. And do you guys, like, I'd say complexity have been kind of up and down. I feel like they're almost always going to be, you know, a fifth to sixth place kind of team at these kind, at these bigger tournaments. But do you think that they're closer? Do you think that, do you guys think that complexity is closer to moving to a top three in the world spot or closer to moving down to, like, 10th place in the world? I think they're closer to moving down to, like, 10th place. Mm. Uh, just kind of in my opinion. I mean, they're number 14 because... right now, oh, so... okay. Okay, well... Oh, okay. That's, yeah. They are pretty low. Actually, they're pretty low on that, but, like, do you think... Sorry, 13 now. Okay. Then, 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 then that kind of, like, gets that out. Okay, how about this? How about more, more so in line with, like, a tournament result, then? Do you think that they're more likely to come top three at a Tier 1 event, or more likely to bomb out in groups? Jesus, that's like... Oh, that is I, hard. I, that's weird, because I think Complexity can beat any team, mm-hmm. but they can also, like, get 16-5'd by any team. Yeah. I think it's... They're, yeah. like, too inconsistent, I would say, but they're... But when they but when they show up in the server, they're like, wow, these guys are... These guys are impressive. Yeah, the problem is they have, like, two solid stars in BlameF and Config. But also the thing about Blame F is, is that I don't think he's really like an amazing IGL or anything. Like he definitely is like a good IGL, but like he's not like within the same tier as like some of like the top guys in the world. You know he's good fragging, and like no one else like Complexity has really stepped up. Like it's not really Rush's job to do so much, right. but like JKS hovering are like kind of just like a yeah. solid like one. Poison yeah. also just kind of like around there as. Well. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Not again! Okay, wait, mix. All right, number two. <laughs> yeah, okay, so you're there saying that JKS is at a solid one, and then you cut out. Yeah, Poison's, like, at the same thing. So it's, like, neither of those two are, like, consistently stepping up, mm-hmm. whether they feel confident or whatever. I mean, at this point, I'm kind of questioning, like, where Poison fits into, like, their plans long-term, because I feel like he's been kind of hovering around the same level for, like, over a year now. Um, hasn't really stepped up much. And there's so many, like, offers available in the world, it feels like, that it's, like, how much longer do you kind of spend like having like kind of an opera just kind of covering around here mm-hmm. um, i think it's yeah especially when you need someone else like to consistently step up if jks hasn't been able to do it yet within the team i it's think it's good because... to see jks playing a lot better recently because yeah. when he first got in call he was like he was like not even in the server but like, like yeah, jks yeah yeah jks is i think is one of the best players in the world when he was on the 100 thieves and renegades yeah but recently, he's been. It's been like a super, super cool to see him like doing JKS things again. He he still has he still has flashes. Uh, the most like the NIP two v four he won with Blame, where he killed three of them from Palace, uh, was crazy. Like then that reminded you of how good he can be. And I think he had some round on Nuke recently too, where he just like just kind of killed everybody at the lower uh, on on the b bomb side of blast i forgot i forgot who that one was against but th- there is there are moments where you see it but you just like it just feels like he doesn't get that same kind of setup anymore like getting mm-hmm. into those positions like when i i think jks is probably best in the late round and i think that he's not alive as much in the late round as someone like blame f is and i think they both kind mm-hmm. of unfortunately and clash with each other yeah yeah they occupy the closer role they both kind of have the same spot and then you have an opera as well who should be in the closing 
rounds as well. So there's too yeah. much late round happening. I mean, on one note, though, is that I think that when complexity hit land, they're going to be a lot better, and especially JKS will, because I think Extremum were, all, or I guess 100 Thieves slash Renegades at the time, were one of those teams that actually had played barely any online events either mm. uh, before we went online with COVID. I think it was like Navi and and that 100 Thieves core that had barely played any online events in the two years prior or something like that. So, like, JKS's insane form was primarily on LAN as well. So I think when we get back to that, there's a good chance that we see them sort of elevate as well. Uh, just on the note of, of their opera, though, like, there is this this opera called Junior who, like, you know, would <laughs> pretty well on that Blamehouse system. I was watching, uh, I was watching Blamehouse interview in the, in the Blast Overtime as well, and he, like, it's actually kind of funny because he said basically the same thing uh, in that they let like poison call his spots like every round if he wants to do something everybody else supports him in that sense so to me that's like really similar to what you were talking about earlier as well anyway so I mean I think that should be an op roll and I think that should be like a given op thing because you have the most expensive broken gun yeah but that, I think that's why like I struggled in Furia because you don't play around the op. Most teams do. That's what I. That's what I was used to. Yeah, that does sound. That does sound pretty, pretty unique. I think. I almost feel like Zaiwu doesn't call his plays all the time, though. I feel like when you watch Vitality, he gets just stuck in places. Like, I'm sure maybe his mid mid round kind of rotations, but it kind of does. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like he's so competent in every spot that Vitality feel comfortable putting him wherever mm -hmm. they want to round by round. I'm sure I'm yeah. sure it's a mix of both, but I, I feel like if I had to pick a top team that is not doesn't have as much of an independent opera, like you I would think Zaiwu would call for so many more aggressive plays than he does. Is is kind of why I'm saying this. He feels like so many rounds he just like starts pretty far back. Like not saying he starts at like ticket booth to start the round always, but it's almost like window to ticket booth just the most standard rotation ever and so mm -hmm. like, you would think that they would try to maybe force his gun uh, a little bit more but it doesn't it doesn't happen as much as you'd think so uh other teams other you, okay um, i was gonna say did you catch either of the eg games uh yeah i i i did but did you junior did you see them of course okay uh what do you i always gotta watch obo yeah yeah i always watch obo <laughs> okay okay junior what is your oh bro let, let's get into let's get into eg in general and then we, we can actually even talk about the the daps edition uh so so what did you guys think though of kind of the recent eg because it was basically like uh they were bad quite bad i would say for the last couple few months and then i am um, summer hit and what they, they bombed out of cs summit then i am summer came and everybody thought they were going to come in just dead last place and then they actually beat Heroic, and that was just, like, a shock to everybody's system. And they actually made it to the playoffs, and that was just, like... Okay, wait, they beat, who did they beat in a BO1? They beat someone in a BO1 opener, uh, right? And then they beat, then they uh, beat Heroic. And then they, they, then, yeah, they beat Spirit. 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 They beat Spirit. Spirit. Right, okay. Beat Spirit, then they beat Heroic. Then they beat... Uh, and they lost uh, to OG. Then they lost, yeah. Yeah, they lost to OG and lost to Gambit. Okay. I mean, no shame in losing a gambit uh, at all. So that's that's a, that's the way you want to end most of your yeah. The two finalists yeah. actually. Yeah. So okay. So what have you guys? What have you guys thought? They kind of got stomped by OG, which is kind of disappointing. Uh, yeah. Still, like to me, like they're definitely playing a lot better now. So, I mean, they're still not like back at like peak. Like you know, I don't think they're anywhere close back to like peak form. They're like more like 
kind of like around the area where they should be. But like, I still don't think they're like a threat to win tournaments. Um, you know, I don't think they're like back at like that stage at all yet. But they definitely were like a lot better in terms of like they're a threat to win like any match with like the talent that they have. It still feels like Breeze isn't like really fully all there, but like mm-hmm. Mewhoo's been doing pretty good at like getting integrated into the team. Oboe is just like a beast all the time, and it's always nice to see him like playing well and fragging and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's true. Um, you'd expect the the new players to struggle more than like the veteran players on the team, but I think recently the veterans player vet- veteran players are struggling, like Cirque and Breeze instead of Oboe and Mihu. Oh, Stan is really struggling yeah. too. Like, just as yeah, well. Stan's, yeah, Stan's been hard on the struggle bus. Yeah, I think Circus has actually uh, righted the ship a little bit. Like, he's not he's not twenty eighteen Circ or anything, but he's still uh, he's still pretty damn good. Uh, yeah, like he's he's definitely like I would say he's like definitely still a world class player. Good. Whereas mm-hmm. Breeze right now, if if I just took the nameplates off and I was like, who is this guy? And I just started looking at, it, I'd be like. I don't know if this guy should be on this team. And it hurts because I thought, I mean, Breeze was so good in 2019. So even 2020, he was d- pretty decent, actually, even on the online era. Like, he wasn't, I like, I didn't, I never loved it, but I think he actually, didn't he come in 20th or something? Like, yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. he was still outputting even when it was kind of the beginning of the online era. And I mean, like, t- for, for three years of 2018, 19, and 20 to just kind of suddenly vanish, what... What what do you think Junior is is causing that? I don't I don't know. Maybe I th- I do re- I do know when I watch their matches, he's not playing the same role he used to. He used to be like on T sides at least. Like I see him entering a lot on T sides. He didn't yeah. used to do that because Tarek would do that. Mm, Tarek yeah. and Ethan. Now he's I see him like running in and getting opt a lot. So not really like much he can do. Right. But I think when you have a player like Breeze. He's he has to be like, like the trader, like the like the refragger, yeah. The refragger, yeah. Yeah, he did mention, um, jeez, I think it was on the IEM summer interviews uh, after one of their games. He actually mentioned his roles changed, and I looked, mm-hmm. I looked at his seat. I actually uh, kind of just briefly looked at his CT side spots, and not many of them actually changed too much. Yeah, but the, the T side thing, T side dead is is where he doesn't have Tarek to bait anymore, and Tarek, mm-hmm. uh looked kind of ridiculous the way that he would create space like he like Tarek legitimately sometimes looked it looked dumb the way he would entry but it would make space for breeze so for at breeze, the end of the day yeah. you're okay with that it doesn't matter if you look like a dumb entry fragger when yeah he's one of those that's like all right i'm just gonna jump up my knife out exactly and you can just trade me <laughs> you literally jump in out of balcony like on inferno and backwards air, air out of yeah. yeah backwards yeah. out like air strafing clearing like small and then breeze three k's yeah, yeah, yeah. we <laughs> had like on C9, I don't think we got it from Tarek, but like we had a, we called it the floppy pathing, where like usually people when they jump out, like kind of like go straight to the left and like go out lane, you know, like yeah. where he is. Yeah. And then we had like the floppy pathing, where he jumps like right into small pit. Yes, yeah, so you can. Like, he's like the first person. Yeah. Yeah. He just like the strafe into small pit. Yeah. You called it floppy, but it was Tarek that did it or something. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, but I th- I don't know what we got it from, but we called it like the floppy pathing. Yeah. Yeah. Tarek would do stuff like that. So not having that kind of space creator debate is going to hurt I, I one thing i said also on um well qu- quickly I, before we we go off of that i think stan said in the interview that he did with hltv like they can't even run that same play anymore because or at least they have to have like someone like breezy doing it because uh me whose sensitivity is so low that he can't even do the like 180 like Tarek used to do it's so, like it's not even possible on his current 
setup. Isn't isn't it legitimately like the point eight at four hundred? Yeah, it's like point eight four hundred. That's yeah. yeah. I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, like, I actually can't imagine playing like that. That's that's half yeah. of my sensitivity, or it's less than half of my sense. Like I, and I already feel like I struggle with one eighties at roughly eight eight hundred at point nine. That's roughly what I'm playing at. Like, mm-hmm. but it's. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I get it's so. Man, that's crazy. I I, I it's so okay. One thing I want to say about Mihu really quick is I keep seeing this guy on CT side like just swing like so so much on like does anybody else see this like does anybody else notice that Mihu at stairs just want anytime he knows they're coming out Aeon Mirage that dude will swing stairs every single time like as far as humanly possible and it makes me really frustrated because like there's a case for it some like it's almost like the distance he swings is what kind of ticks me off the most where it's like he swings so like some some really good con players can swing just wide enough so they take like a 1v1 you know but me who mm-hmm. swings so often into like and then three people can see him at once and i'm like you just need to swing a little tighter or wait for a flash if you're gonna do the wide swing flash if you're gonna do like a yeah just like little pet peeves or like people like yeah. they're just wide swing in the card commit another thing that players always fucking do is they will spam a smoke for like 30 seconds oh. Like, I thinking they're, like, invincible behind it. Yeah. And then they'll get spammed, and like, dude, I got spammed. And I'm like, as they're, like, tracers, they're just going straight through the smoke for, like, 15 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, that's why that's why Nico switches to the A1S and Hunter, too. Yeah. It's coming back, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm Yeah, they switch because they just, they, just, they just want to spam the smoke, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm fine with it. Um... Okay, well, let's get into let's get into the fact that EG has some uh, some cool news. Is that they just announced today that Daps is going to be their their new head coach. Actually, by the time this is interviewed, it's tomorrow. But I mean, by by the time it's uploaded. But but uh, Daps coming back from Valorant, so we're finally seeing like a tier. I'd say tier one player moving to Valorant and then moving back to CS, even though not in a player role. But what do you? What do you guys make of this, Junior? Do you think this is going to be? A, do you how many? Do you think that, that more players are going to switch back to CS? I think as Valorant is more played and CS lands come back, we'll see more players. I don't know if we'll see like the tier one players like Nitro, Ethan, like that. I don't. Right. I don't know if we'll see many of the really good tier one players come back, but we might see some like that. Some okay tier two players, maybe some tier ones, but I don't think. Because they already made their name in Valorant, yeah. So I don't see them a reason to come back to Counter Strike. That's true. Yeah, I think some will like come back to like play. Like they probably don't even think they'll come back to, like a pro level or anything. Yeah, there'll be like some names that like kind of come back over. But like I think for the most part, most people will stay there. We'll also just yeah. kind of see like how it develops um, over like the next year or two, as like maybe more natural Valorant players come up and stuff like that. There'll be like some that I think definitely come back, just even like play like an MDL level or something, um, just to like keep competing or something. I don't know if any of them will come back and like, you know, join like a. Also, just runs on like what the orgs, the orgs, what orgs in NA there are, right? Uh, in a few months or so. So yeah, that's what kind and of see. Age also plays a factor, right? Like Daps is, I think, like yeah. twenty-seven or yeah. yeah. And so it's like he, if you wanted to, if you want to hang up his mouth in that sense, like he could coach Valorant or he could coach CS, and it's yeah. like he'd rather coach CS, right? Like that that also plays a factor in some of the decisions these these players are going to make whether they come back from Valorant or not. So I think a lot of the people in NA were, like, relatively young that switched. Um, not all of them, obviously. Like, there's the CLG crew, the old CLG crew, etc. But, like, 
there's a lot of room for some of these players to still like make a decision two years down the road if they if they decide to come back even. yeah <laughs> like well, in terms of like i guess i was gonna say going back to like eg yeah, like yeah, in terms yeah. of like the fit between like Stan and Daps, I don't know. It's still weird to me. Like Daps being like the coach, I'm not sure like how he'll do as a coach in terms of like how his personality fits it and stuff like that. Because um, he does have like a really good mind for like CS and you know like a really good mind for calling. And at times he can be like a really really good caller, mm-hmm. but also at other times he's kind of like very stubborn. Um, I'm pretty sure from what I know. Mm-hmm. So like, and that's also just something that's like really naturally hard to get away from when you're like playing in the game. And you're like getting frustrated, or like things that other teams are doing and stuff. You know, you're not playing on land, or you're not enjoying the game. Um, so we'll kind of see how he kind of treats it as a coach. Um, see, like kind of like how his personality transfers, and kind of how he how he like how how he handles the position, and like how he handles like working with Stan and working with the players, and like you know what vision he has in terms of like his own coaching role, what he wants from the team. I mean, I'm I pretty just interested think to see what he does. I just think it's very smart from EG to get uh, Daps as their coach so that they can uh, transition Stanislaw to EG's coach and replace Daps inevitably once again. <laughs> I don't know. I think Daps is going for the uh, the payback. The revenge, revenge arc. <laughs> like, <laughs> it would just be the most alpha move I've ever seen. If in like six months or something, Daps is like, yeah, today I'm benching Stan and I'm going to fill in for a few <laughs> events. <laughs> Like it would just, it would just be so funny. Like I just want it to happen. Like not for like any reason. I was just like, I think it would, it would just Other make you laugh. The hilarity, yeah. How, like just seeing, just seeing Daps with like a big ass smile on his face playing on stage somewhere, like <laughs> at a land. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that would be actually just so insane. That actually just, that's something that's like a, an, an, I'm sure there's an HLTV thread about that, or or maybe a Reddit chain of comments. Yeah, it's just like I just has already like, I, I'm just imagining Daps with like a big grin on his face, sitting in the center of like of all the players on land or something, I'm right after guys. the news has been announced. Yeah, <laughs> Junior, did you ever face off against Daps? On, Daps, yeah, on uh, Gen G when when he was, yeah yeah. So so what did you think about kind of the style that they played back then? It, it was. Um, Sheikh Sula, whenever we played, he ma- he like dug it into our brain that we could never over rotate because we played nuke against them in in blast, I think, in the NA blast. And mm-hmm. that's this is when we came back in one nuke. We were down like 13 6 or something like that. Yeah. And then Sheikh calls, like, just hold your spot until the round's over because, like, because they would go down secret, like, take lower control. Then, then we're all lower, and then they just go back with the vent with an upper lurk. Yeah, like, they they have like they do like the one three one really well, but their lurkers like play off a lot of info and get a lot of info instead of like being like a, like an AFK lurk. Mm-hmm. I think that play style was really it was it's really difficult to play against because you can't like you can't you gotta hold your nerve to like not move, and that's really hard to do. Yeah, and I think Daps is really good at like. He's building teams and making them compete. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see if how he can like if he can bring Beat Breeze like back to Breeze form. Oh. If that's possible. Yeah. I think he's really good. Yeah. Like like adding like structure and making like the team kind of like make sense in terms of like how it's operating. At the same time, something that like I felt maybe he was a little less good at at least at the time. Like I don't know how it might have changed him during Genji over like the online era and how much work they were putting in. But like for me, like when I was on the C9 team and we played Genshi, we were like like five and two against them in BO3 series, mm-hmm. and like a large large part of that I think was that especially for like 
me, Johnny, whoever was like watching the demos, they were pretty easy for us to read and like understand how they play. And we had like a lot of tells on like how they would play, mm-hmm. you know, just even like small things where like we would know like on train, like, um, um, against Genji, like on their CT side train, we knew that like if that smoked right away because of inner pressure, automatic was going to come back and they were going to play two on B. If that's like backed up and then smoked it from like farther back off the ramp, you could kind of tell which smoke it was. You would know that he's just yeah. playing retake on train. So they kind of like they kind of like very set ways of like doing things that he didn't really change up much. So it made it like pretty easy for us to read. And there's like certain things in his calling. Um, so maybe this will be different with Stan because I think Stan generally does a good job of like changing things up. But like just in terms of like his calling, there's like certain patterns that he really stuck to. Um, I think just kind of like naturally in his head, things that like made sense in terms of like how he would react to things. Like there was like one cell I had on their train T side where it was like whenever I think Kusta and Bentet were like their upper defaulters, right? So they took like inner on train, they took upper. And like whenever they would like molly upper at the start to take it, they would like never end inner after that. And so I figured that was like maybe just like a rule or something they were trying to do to like, you know, make it harder to read them or something. But then like I remember when I told Elma that like a few months later after the team had died. And I was like talking to him. Um, he was like surprised because that wasn't like a rule or anything that they had. It was just something that like kind of like naturally happened. Yeah. So like there was like certain patterns that Daps would just kind of like stick to in his calling that made it a bit easy to read his teams. And so having those like those patterns and like those set things, I think help his team uh, in some ways to like you know make sure they know what's coming and like operating together pretty well. But at the same time, I think just needed to do a better job of like adapting it over time and making it harder to read. Like I said, I don't know how much the online air kind of affected that in terms of how much they were changing things. I I kind of want to see how uh, how Obo plays with a little bit more like coaching from Daps as well. Like having two, having both Stanislaw and Daps able to like prop him up and give him a little bit more advice. I think that'll be like Obo's already sick, but like if he can evolve even further, that will be that's just gonna be fucking scary, honestly. Obo is like when you see him like I by the eye test I, I I think his stats are pretty good on EG I don't think they're not like cra- they're not crazy by they're not time. nuts but yeah, yeah he passes like his eye test is nuts honestly yeah it's just when he mm. sees a target they just they just get melted so frequently he's so he's so fast he's so snappy mm. with his aim too like um I think I think with Daps I think what's so what's nice I, I think was it uh i forgot which i think was a junior or mix that said it basically the the whole breeze angle that if there's anybody that's going to unlock him again it could be daps is something that i was thinking of just that can just sky like that can just help this team so much um but one thing that i've also really disliked about eg in the period kind of for the last handful of tournaments is that their tr- their trading is really bad. Like I'm not. It's it's kind of in line with the thing where I said Mihu was wide swinging a lot, but it's also statistically. I looked at it, and for the last, it's, I think it was four tournaments, or basically every tournament since Mihu has been on the team, their trade percentages have been like fifteen percent, seventeen percent, nineteen. Like the highest, the best trading tournament they played was twenty point nine percent trades, and when they were good, like in twenty uh, nineteen, twenty twenty. They were trading, I look back at it, and they were trading like 22% of the time, 24% of the time, up to 25% of the time. And it was like, that just is so obvious when I watch them now versus then that it's just like, they the way they move as a unit is not there right now. And I hope that Daps brings some of that back. Like, 
mix you were talking about how they kind of do the one three one i felt like the packs uh a few like a year ago for eg like when the pack like like not the extremity players but the the pack group was so much better like it felt like it was more cohesive and i think that probably had to do with the fact that they were using Tarek to to help those groups out and um sometimes sometimes ethan would be part of those groups too uh and like like i i just feel like they've lost a lot in terms of just working i don't know if they don't trust each other or maybe it's just like they just know they're they're gonna change things up so they don't want to worry about it too much it, it just feels like it's too loose it's a little too loose for my taking right my liking right now I just felt like their extremity players were also like not fully comfortable. Like on the Inferno game I was watching versus Gambit, they would mm. take like bracket control, but then they would leave like Mihu not like in boiler or they wouldn't even get him into into actual into the arches at all. He'd just be sitting top mid, like next to one of the cubbies, and he'd just mm. sit there. And I'm like, You're gonna get flashed and then they're just double swung. So yeah, like you're gonna die there. Yeah. And it happened like two or three times throughout that half and and they lost twenty two to twenty, like Oh god, that's painful. Yeah. yeah. I think they need to figure out they need more time to figure out their like their teamwork and roles cuz when I watch them I don't really know like I know who the opera is and who the IGL is. I don't like I don't think who's like who's entering, who's right. who's supporting the entry, who's right. trading the entry. I just know who the opera and the IGL is. Yeah, it, it always makes me worried when I when a team's T side does like I know that the role like it's been said for the past handful of years that you know roles are kind of antiquated and that everybody should be able to do anything at any given time. But like it helps so much for the like any team that says that versus a team like Astralis had their players outlined on who was what, who the entry fragger yeah. was. Yeah, also was it's like, like so do Gambit, like, Gambit do as well. Yeah, it's not something that like you should be like. Yeah, we're just not gonna have any roles because it's like everyone can just do anything at any time, right? Yeah, it's more like if you have it already outlined and like you know exactly what each person's supposed to, like, you know, to an extent, like what person, what each person is doing, like what your plan is and stuff. If you have to change it based off of that, it's so much easier to do than if you're just like starting it from scratch every time. Mm-hmm. If you're like trying to build like your execute like in the mid round every time, deciding who's gonna do well, who's gonna throw what, compared to like. If you have like your normal execute and then like you don't have everything that you have planned for it, but it's just like, okay, we're going to do our B execute and then, okay, just change this. You do his role, you do his role, stuff like that. Like everything's just a lot more flowing when you do it kind of like that. It's also just harder to like condition players. Like if you're an extremity player, it's going to be harder to condition if you're swapping out like three different players for that same spot in different rounds, right? Like you don't know what the team's going to be doing to adapt against it. For example, like Naf when he plays Inferno Halls, like he's I think really good at conditioning other players into certain things. But if you're swapping him out for like two other players, it's not gonna be it's not really gonna be to the same degree, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, I think, I think like a... that um a thing I've always like noticed is it's hard to make a bait player an entry player and hard to make an entry player a baiter. Because right. when things mm-hmm. like go hectic, they're gonna do their natural their natural role like they, it's hard to like think that like switch your natural thinking ability of the game because like if i'm an opera if i get into like a situation i'm not comfortable in i will sit afk and if i have another player that's like when i play with curry curry would run in for me and grim anywhere like he would listen to anything we say to make us comfortable so if you have that type of player it's a lot easier to like because that those players are really hard to find because mm-hmm. every player wants to be the star 
the star top one HLTV rifler in the world. And like every team needs an inters, a Tarek. Like the players, players like that, that like they're like the most important pieces. Because I don't Flames. think like <laughs> I think Flames is a god. Yeah, every yeah. team is like needs that type of player. Yeah. If like Shiro and Hobbit and Axile are gonna succeed, enters is like needed. He's for okay. That with, team. He's okay with running in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, making that space because he knows who's behind him. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. Uh, I I think that's that brings me to we didn't really talk about NIP, but it makes me kind of concerned about about them on T side moving forward a lot. Is that I don't know if you guys heard the the part on the HLTV confirmed thing. I think Professor asked Hampus, do you, like Flusha was wondering what your guys' roles were because everybody's confused about who's playing what role. And then Hampus said like, oh yeah, well like like Rez is the entry fragger, Plopsky's the entry fragger. And then I was like, but Hampus, you take the most entry duels on yeah. this team. So it's like, <laughs> aren't you the entry fragger? Like he's like, I don't. And then he's like, I don't know why Flesha would think that. And it's like, you just basically said three people are entry fraggers. Like I, I don't think you. It's just yeah. It it just helps a team so much when when everybody knows uh, like. Dude, who needs an entry fragger when you have Cristiano Ronaldo? You know. <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> well, for CT side, for CT side, he can be. He can just take any fight whenever he wants to. Like Device just does what he feels like. Device is definitely an example of like an opera, like you're saying, Junior, where he's just tell calling his play every round, and mm -hmm. that's that elevated NIP. I don't. I mean, I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts about NIP uh, post. Well, post device at least. Like, um, I mean, whether you guys caught more of the ZTR version or the the LNZ version. Uh, do you guys think this is a, a st I think they are, let's see their ranking. Let's just see the ranking so I don't pull a complexity here. They are sixth right now, and they just moved up five slots. So do you guys think that, do you guys think that uh, NIP is more likely to move up to a top three ranking, or do you think they're more likely to move back down to 10th? I think if NIP want to be consistently a top team, they have to figure out this whole academy players coming in and out oh, and yeah. this whole situation. Because yeah. you can't like bring in device and just keep swapping players. You need like a steady like a steady I'm team. Kind of sad, to play. Like, a, like a similar thing in that like I feel like they kind of like the core three figured out right now. There's like device, res, and campus. Yeah. I think that's like a really nice three to build around. Yeah. But Plopsky hasn't really been performing well in like the past few months. Compared to what he needs to be, and they also just kind of have this like revolving door of a fifth, in terms of like the fifth player they're trying to find. Like if you compare it to like Astralis, like what Device had in Astralis, right? Um, I mean, obviously I can't say it's similar to their calling, but like Campus is like kind of similar to Glaive, and like in terms of like you know the caller, they're often like getting a ton of info. They're both super aggressive. Yeah. Um, Rez is like kind of like the Dupree, uh in a way. You know, it's kind of like his role. He's trying to he needs to be like one of the star rockers backing up Device. And then it's like, but they haven't really figured out like the two anchors and like the two rocks of the team. You know, you had Magus and Zipnix, obviously. And like at the moment, they have Plopsky, who like isn't really performing well, and they have like a revolving door from the academy team. So it's something they still have to really figure out like those last two slots, whether it's like Plopsky finding more of his role and finding more confidence, performing better, and who like the fifth is going to be. If it's going to be LNC for the foreseeable future, who had like a decent series, I think. Uh, in blast but like he looked better than ztr did um but still you know just like kind of average uh, overall so it's well, like it's just, just hard to find like swedish talent right now i think like, that's just like yeah established right that's why they're bringing up new players but like 
who else would you fill? Who would you replace Plopsky with, for example, if you were trying to find another player right now? Brolin. But yeah, that's he's like he's got a five-year contract. Yeah, yeah Brolin just resigned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it sucks that like I feel like they are committed to being Swedish, which I think they are because device speaking it as well. Mm-hmm. It depends on like who they can get because like if you could get like like I said like someone like Astatag is like perfect for like the role player role in terms of like what the NIP Academy players have been filling stuff like that you know filling like those like similar types of roles stuff like that. Or like even if like the dream happened, is it next to like ah fuck this? I'm going to NIP two, and then as a tag, just play some on Astralis or something like that. <laughs> Zip would be in. I think Zip would be like by far the. I mean, I don't even. I don't know if he speaks Swedish, and so this is maybe not even worthwhile. But but basically, yeah. I, I thought they looked. I thought they looked better with ZTR than with Linus in terms of. Like their run at Flashpoint three versus even their run at Blast. Statistically, Linus did better, and I think in anchor positions he's going to get more more done, more kills. But ZTR, in terms of his kind of almost lack of initiative, was really good in my eyes for uh, at Flashpoint because then you got Res and Device being point dudes in terms of like you're just making space for them, and I felt like they popped off pretty pretty well. Like they looked, they both looked really good at that tournament and i so someone that is kind of more of a backseat player like zip would be amazing but again like is it even possible probably not maybe i think for me it just seemed like linus's decision making was a little bit snappier just like in in individual trades and whatnot but like you're saying ztr was really good at buying time for players and just like living so it's like they they did different roles for the team and they sort of need both yeah. It feels like. Yeah, they kind of need a guy that's a combination of both of them. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think that's why, yeah. It'd be my dream. If Zitnix could speak, could speak Swedish, Zitnix just hopping over the NIP with device and then that's the tag just going back to Astralis. Mm-hmm. That's like that's like my personal fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> of the uh, of these two teams that I think would work really well. And also, I just want it. I'd really like to see that's the tag back on Astralis because I really like him and I think he'd be really good. He's, he's like a really good fit for that team. Okay. Uh, other, the last piece of news before we get into the question of the week is actually that Mix has joined wow. Nordavind. Okay, so Mix, how did how did this come about? Uh, I was about to go to sleep one night at like four a.m. and then I just got a DM from the GM. Like they were interested in both me and Elma. Uh huh. Oh no! Oh my God! Oh, right. that time start talking to him. <laughs> what is this? Um. Okay. Well. Sorry, you guys. That's number three. Okay. <laughs> we're back. We're back. Okay, so you got a DM. They were, yeah, yeah. So it was like 4 a.m. I got a DM and then I had a meeting. They were actually potentially interested both in me and Elma Putty, even mm-hmm. like as like a duo. Um, you know, like kind of like us like continuing kind of like what we were doing with like for our coaching staff from C9. Yeah. Um, but obviously, since I don't think he was like as interested, and also I think it's just a role like for this team especially that kind of just fits me more in terms of like how I'm still developing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. And kind of like where the team is at the moment so yeah i mean it just kind of came about i had like a kind of like kind of like a trial with them like a month ago or so where we were i was more so just like kind of kind of feeling the team out they were kind of feeling me out in terms of like like how i like to do things as well and then yeah i kind of joined like like two weeks ago officially at this point somewhat something like that um I, like my first bo3 against with them was like against fiends uh, a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and then i kind of joined before one of our other matches yeah so Happened pretty fast, honestly, in terms of I was kind of just chilling, got a DM from him, kind of talked to him a bit, 
I liked what they were doing in terms of like their organization. And they also like kind of like the attitude that I have and what I want to bring to coaching and stuff like that. So it was like a pretty, a, a pretty nice fit. Um, What's it been like being a head coach, like in terms of the difference between where you were on cloud nine and now? Um, I definitely like more control over things in terms of like what's happening. Like it's like, especially on this team, it's like almost like what my, what like my United opportunity was supposed to be two years ago. Right. Where it's like, supposed to be the head coach you're supposed to have like you know power over the team you know control the roster things like that those are all things that i have now where it's like you know it's the coach's team you know like it's my team uh to do with how i how i see fit um rather than you know i'm just kind of like a six man for the players type thing so yeah. it's really nice uh one thing i have been able to like getting used to especially is just like getting used to more you know being within the games because also like something that i don't have much experience with is like being a head coach like within the game and also like i've never played on a team like i've never even played on like an open team like for a full season or anything so it's like i don't really have much experience playing myself so especially in the online era where you can be more vocal at times um you know kind of getting more used to that stuff um learning to be more vocal learning that i you know with like more influence over the team comes like more direct the results affect you a lot more directly in terms of like how much influence you have over them, stuff like that. So just getting used to like how much control and influence I have over the team and how much uh, certain things can like really affect me compared to like as an assistant coach where you can only do so much. So you try to like separate yourself from the results even somewhat a little bit. So if people aren't familiar with Nordivin, the the players are Mertz, Tensky, HS, Supra, and Mirbit. Uh, Super is pretty interesting because he was on the Gambit Youngsters roster. Mm -hmm. uh, HS uh, kind of has been bouncing on a lot of teams. I think the best team he was on was Optic, if I'm not mistaken. Where, Or maybe that wasn't the best, but it was one of the more notable ones. And yeah. then I think he played at a major, actually. I remember just because I... Yeah, pulled, played at Penta, I think. No. Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. I remember just because I, I, yeah. I got one of yeah. his stickers and I was like, who the... Hell is, who's, 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 <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Actually, HS HS has actually DM me a very long time ago. He wanted me to do a player analysis, one of my demo review YouTube videos about him. But uh, yeah, I, he's uh, really hardworking. He likes yeah. he loves shit like that. Yeah, and then Mertz has had these rumors. I'm sure you can't comment on about him going to Astralis. Uh, that they're looking at him, and he's he, statistically speaking, he's been the strongest player for Nordovin for a while. Yeah, and, and from what I know, those are pretty much bogus at least at the moment so mm. i will say that like at the moment that's not really a thing i mean yeah, maybe I've it'll change nothing related to it yeah mm, like, okay. maybe it'll change maybe maybe it's like only within astrology or something they just haven't reached out or anything but mm -hmm. like from what i know at the moment that wasn't really anything that like was actually happening or even planned to happen yeah so that's yeah kind of just chilling for now and merch has been playing really well for them though i, I was yeah. looking at the at least the stats for the last couple of matches that you guys have played, and he seems like he's doing really well. I remember Murbit too, actually, like in the German scene. He was on yeah. Sprout, he was on Alternate Attacks. Uh, I remember, I just remember from like Meisterschaft, he was like one of the players that I was bringing up, I think, on Sprout a lot of the time when they were bullying, when they were just bullying teams. He was, he was part of that, that crew of people. So he mm -hmm. was, he's got some skill as well, I remember. And I guess, I guess one thing I want to know, uh, when you say you have complete control mix, so if you to tomorrow said, Mirbit, I'm not liking your attitude, 
like can, are you just <laughs> can you kick him off the team like what could you actually do that i mean i don't maybe not like <laughs> the moment because i just joined like two <laughs> yeah, weeks no, ago okay, so it's I'll like just, <laughs> i just want to know the scope of your abilities on there like your you know I mean, we'll kind of see i kind of how things progress but in yeah. in like in theory yes like if i okay. felt someone wasn't performing on the team or i felt you know change had to be made then yeah i could i could do that Obviously, I'm not gonna like come in and be like a week later. Yeah, you know what? I think we should just kick like three people. <laughs> yeah. But um, one thing I have come like I haven't like come in and like obviously I haven't like changed players or, like wanted to do that yet or anything. Mm-hmm. But I did come in and like on our T sides, I changed the spots on every single map, oh, like wow. literally every single map. And then CT sides, I changed the spots on every single map except two. Mm-hmm. So like I've kind of been changing like how we've like structured ourselves. Like I'm trying to get. Um, HS since like a role that I think fits them more. Trying to get super onto a role that kind of like fits them more. Trying to like activate them uh, okay. a bit more in terms of like also bringing like my own structure and stuff. Um, like one thing I came in is we started playing Nuke, mm-hmm. um, which Super has actually literally never played yeah. in his career. Wow, because he Gambit youngster has never Gambit played Nuke. Right, yeah, yeah Nord event also perma banned it before I joined, so he's literally playing Nuke for the first time. So he's played it about five times in a team setting at this point. Wow. Um, I mean, he's kind of just a natural at it because, like, he's really good at like taking like contact tools, you know, entering, going first, spot. stuff like that. Huh? Uh, he's like the door lurk, and he's like the hut guy, the uh, like the okay. A anchor. A anchor. It's so, like okay. so he's like the door guy, so he can just walk out door and just like annihilate people and enter. Yeah. Or you know, just solid holes towards hut and stuff. So yeah, trying to activate him more in terms of that. He's also just been playing like more before. He was playing like all anchor spots and like all like uh like lurk spots where he didn't really do much. Mm-hmm. So like I've been trying to change that around so that he's playing more like map control, working more like in that in terms of like doing more stuff in lines of what he was doing on Gambit. And Super is still like 19, like he's still really young, like a lot of the other Gambit guys. And the reason like he uh, kind of got like removed from the team was because I think A, he couldn't get like a Russian visa to like boot camp yeah, with the them. Visa thing, I remember that. Yeah. And also he was like the only like non-natural uh the only person that didn't like naturally speak Russian on the team, I'm pretty sure. He's actually Estonian. Oh yeah. So yeah, um, just trying to get him more activated. Like, like I like the results, and like the results hadn't been very good. Like, especially in the passing months, just like been turmoil on the team and stuff, and like things have been kind of like boiling to a certain point. So, but you know, you look at the stats and it's like not like anyone's like completely just playing terribly uh, individually. Right. It's just Mertz for the most part is the only person that's like consistently playing really well in the most part. So, yeah, I think just trying to get that turned around, just like trying to get everyone activated, playing spots that kind of naturally fit them a lot more. Cool. The re- has the reception from the players been like okay with like I guess you just coming in like they haven't been like this fucking North American coach coming in and like trying <laughs> to change all of our shit. Yeah, they've actually been really receptive to like literally everything. So I think they also didn't really like the spot that they were in, and you know they weren't like playing well. So it's not like they're gonna be like no, we shouldn't do this, you know, stuff like that. Like they've been pretty open to like everything I've said and like all the spot changes that I've made and you know pretty much everything. They're pretty much receptive, like even from the get go. In terms of like how I want to do prep and stuff, like you know they weren't doing like in-depth prep like I like to do and like really studying teams. So um, it's worked out pretty well so far. And like the BO threes we played, it's been going pretty well. Um, ESEA advanced. I'm like two and two since I joined. I've never played anything harder than ESEA advanced in Europe. <laughs> just, just everyone's just insane, yeah. I guess. Like you play these BO ones and like you have to win both pistols. Like it's insane. <laughs> like I hate these BO ones. Holy shit! It just feels like a, such a coin flip. But the BO3s have been going well, so I guess, you know, that's all I can really ask for. We beat, like, three top 30 teams uh, in a row at this point, so... Yeah, the Entropic gun was big. 
Yeah, that one was big. I don't know. Honestly, beating the Bulgarian teams was harder because the Bulgarian and they're I'm pretty sure they're like the best players in the world. <laughs> like I lost the I lost the Voivoda. Like that was like the big loss on C9. It was that was like really ships. Bad. Yeah. Ships yeah, ships is unscathed. And then the other Bulgarian team, the one that has like Victor, Bubble, and Dreamer, those guys. Oh yeah. And I'm like, Dreamer has had an interview. He's like, yeah, I'm more worried about it than ever now. That like I'm not Zach being like, yeah, I can sell because suddenly he's just like the best lurker that I've ever seen in my life. Like <laughs> those guys, like I never understand anything that they're doing, but yet it's still just like it all just works somehow. Like I don't know, they're the best team in the world in my opinion. So there's no bias there. I'm not joking. Fiend is literally the best, the best team in the world. And you guys beat. Just them. So you guys know. So you're the yeah, best so, team in the world. Yeah, so we're probably like top five at this point if we manage to beat Fiend. <laughs> Uh, before we go to the question of the week, Alex, you, you wanted to talk about Shake to Bad News Bears at the start? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we haven't really talked about any NA news, so let's get into some of that. So, yeah, what, what if, uh, I guess, Junior, what do, you, what do you think of that? What do you think of that move, the, the Shake for Alter on Bad News Bears? I think it was, like, the best move possible for b and because PTR can, like, fully focus on, like, opping, opera things instead of having to manage everybody. And I think Shake will do well with that team because it's like a new, fresh breath of air for him. And he like he needed it really bad because like he wasn't he was kind of struggling on Triumph, with, like not just calling but like like the team in general. Yeah, so, yeah, like that team was like it seemed like in a weird bit of a weird spot because especially yeah. considering the players they had even before when they still like B Wills and both Fizz both. Like I feel like they weren't. They should have been around, like where Extra Salt was, in my opinion. Yeah. In terms of like results they and their level. Been a lot better. Yeah, and they weren't like hitting that at all consistently. The roles were a little weird for me. On yeah, the they team. were kind of. The team just seemed like a bit of a mess, like a bit struggling. They didn't. It didn't seem like they like found their identity at all. Was like the main thing. They were mm-hmm. still just like, kind of like a no man's land. That felt like at some points. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just from talking to Shake as well, like being able to, well, like one thing that was. He was really struggling like, is that he doesn't want to be in the same position as he was with like Grimm and Junior, where he like brings up one or one player and then they just get poached again and then he has to restart over and over again. Like that's just extremely frustrating to be in that sort of spot over and over. Uh, but on top of that, like there's that element to it, and then there's the element of like playing with players where you just can't even get to that position again. And that was yeah. sort of where he was at with the with the last triumph roster. Like you just can't reach that same yeah. level. And once you hit that point, like he just wanted something new, and uh, that's sort of it's what tough thing to like balance when you're like in one of these teams, like in especially in the tier two level, you have to be able to balance like the players you're finding. It's like yeah. you can't always just get like the new hot like young commodity, right? That like would be the obvious choice to like bring up because like even if they come and they do play well, they're gonna get poached like three months in. So it's like you have to have like a balance of like also like sometimes like you see these teams pick up like maybe like old-timers that you might consider washed up but like you know i think sometimes it's better to get a guy like that because if they do come in and they do play well the odds of them getting poached like instantly are like a lot lower and you can actually like really build something kind of like how Hobbit. you know yeah i was gonna say Hobbit, like someone coming in and like kind of like having a resurgence type thing i think Hobbit has really showed like how possible that is for some for that to yeah. happen would so you, I'm, I feel like Note and Junior, you guys have probably watch, been watching North American stuff closer than uh, myself and Mix. I, I mean, I what have what have you got? What can you guys say about the Bad News Bears roster? I actually, 
Actually, they won Premiere when I was playing. I played Premiere when they won that season, actually, a little. So I, I but I didn't play again. Mm-hmm. They weren't in my group, actually. So I can't really talk about them too much. But I guess Junior, what have you? What do you think? What do you think about the the players on there? We've got we've had Swisher on the podcast actually, and so we've we had like John G's their entry. Peter was their IGL, but like with this new look, like what what kind of role was Alter filling? And like, do you think Shake in terms of his skills could pick that role up. I think um, Shake will be able to enable Jonji to play a lot more. Jonji's already John playing G- well, hasn't he? Yeah, Jonji. I think Jonji's the best player on that team, and he has oh. a lot of impact. Yeah, but I think uh, like he will help Jonji a lot to be more because Jonji likes to like he likes to like run at you. He will run at you. Mm-hmm. So I think if he have Sheikh Zula who on the team. He will he'll help him to like have higher percentage of his running at you ability to work instead of because sometimes Donji will go like have a series where he's like six and twenty five every game and like mm-hmm. you can't have that when you're like the team's best player. I think so. I think Sheikh will help him a lot with that. I think you even saying that it brings up the fact that Peter should now like Peter was like I do, I know I do remember when I watched. Uh, the playoffs of premiere a little bit when they won that season that he was the deady flasher like he just threw everything. yeah it felt like he was throwing everything but now he can actually maybe be aggressive or maybe just yeah play the something. game yeah play play <laughs> like not be a flasher like not do yeah. that so that should that should help i think no you're gonna you're gonna bring something up i was gonna say i think like shake won't just enable Johnji, but i hope that he's able to enable swisher more too because i think swisher is also like a pretty sick player who's one of like the next players to come up who hasn't really had a chance to break through yet. So I hope that that like that yeah. sort of duo would be pretty sick to to get online for for that team. Overall, yeah, at the moment I'm still kind of worried about what Bad News Bears peak actually is because mm-hmm. PTR is only going to be able to hit like a certain level most likely because you know obviously he's been around for a while. Um, he's really good at NA and stuff, but you know when they go to Europe and they play like all these better teams, like I assume PTR is not going to be averaging like a 1.25 rating or something. Um, it's just a lot tougher to do. So, like, what really needs to happen in this Bad News Bears team for, for like, their peak to really increase and really, like, take out some, like, decent names and have some good maps and stuff is, yeah, they really need Jonji, like, to consistently be able to play like this against good teams. You know, on Chaos, he was, like, pretty good, but, like, yeah. he was also, like, like kind of, like, like their fourth best player on the team. Just kind of, like, naturally, like, what his play style was and, like, what he was doing on the team. And so, like, he needs to be able to, like, if he's hitting, if he's playing like he is and he's, like, you know, playing at that level, he needs to be like consistently better than that. Like, you know, they're on average, like their best player, the second best player type. And yeah, it really depends on like Swisher, especially um, if he can actually build into like a star player on the team. Um, I think he really needs to like come into his own in terms of that and actually uh, hitting like a new level in terms of like, what he's been able to do so far. What I, I actually, I played a kind of a season with Swisher actually, and I. I felt like he was always just a really nice, well-rounded player that looked like he wanted to evolve every part of his game. He wasn't just focusing on like being a brainy nerd, nade, nade player, not nerd, but nade player, and like or trying to be too aggressive or anything like that. Like in the mid round, it felt like he was thriving in terms of kind of knowing what was happening, having good reactions, and but I didn't. I admittedly did not watch the Summit. It was happening the same time as Flashpoint. I didn't have time to see it. Mm-hmm. Did you? So when. And after that, though, Richard Lewis brought up that he thought Swisher is probably 
he thought Swisher was, I think, the best player on Bad News Bears. Like he was the revelation on that team. What what did he sh- what did he show in your guys' eyes? Or like, actually, did you guys did you play him junior at that tournament? No. Oh, okay. Did well. What did you and probably or no? Did you guys see him? What, what what's he? What is he really good at now? Why 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 would Richard say that? Um, I don't know. I just felt like Swisher's like mid like. Mix said his mid mid rounds were really good in terms of just the way like he reacted to certain situations. It didn't seem like there was a delay in his decision making, mm-hmm. which sort of just really helped in general against like you can't lose those small timing windows, and he he takes advantage of it as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to put it in, into anything quite concrete, but it was basically like he doesn't seem to be nervous in a lot of those situations where you mm-hmm. would see some of these players be nervous in some of those big events where they're first playing against teams like like Godsent, for example. Okay, like yeah. it's just like yeah, I think I think just the general approach he had against some of these teams worked out. And if that continues to evolve with Shake, then I think the team is able to like that that is sort of what needs to happen to to get this team to step up when they go to Europe now, for example. Yeah, I think if Shake can bring the best out of Swisher as well, that the team will be pretty solid. They have John G. Swisher and PTR. Like, I think PTR is still really good, except like the whole age thing comes into factor. But I think he's he still has the ability to comp- to compete. And I think that if Shake can somehow, I th- I'm not somehow because I know he will like figure out everybody's strengths and their weaknesses and play towards them that they'll be good mm-hmm. in some months times all right all right all right i think that's enough on on bad news bears um actually hey, oh, they wait. also have merch coming out by the way they support do. na oh isn't it, isn't it in collab with just like chillin big it's chillin? with big chillin yeah big, big, big chillin bad news bears collab yeah i, th- I, th- I think it's on the 24th or something all right well no, everybody get your calendars out get your uh Get the drop date right on point so you don't miss out if you want to support Bad News Bears. Because, yeah, so actually one last question then for, for Junior. Before we go into the question of the week, I have one more question for Junior. And it's what what does the, the future look like for Junior? What does it look for like? Me? Yeah. Um, well, I me? Just, well, I just asked for a break because the whole... It was, it was like, I don't, wouldn't call it burnout, but like I was just super stressed and like wasn't enjoying counter-strike mm-hmm. so right now i'm just taking like time off to find like my love for the game again because it, it kind of like disappeared for the past couple of months mm. so like right now i'm like just taking time off and like casually playing counter-strike instead of like putting my whole work ethic into it okay are you playing fpl the fpls isn't popping it is it, it has I've, I've been trying to play it too because i'm, yeah. I'm and i i like I see one game a day or something and I'm like, yeah, I didn't get it. Okay. That's how it is. That's just, yeah. So I, uh, that's, yeah, it's kind of hard to find the games for it. Right yeah. Now. It's weird, but I mean, uh, quickly, you, you say you lost your like love for the game. Is that just because you were boot camping constantly? Like you were yeah. playing from home. Is it just the constant I, grind? Yeah. It was like, it was like something I'm not used to. Cause I went, I had like my whole everyday life was counter-strike like i couldn't you know i was like seven hours away from friends family so i couldn't like play with them or talk to them if i if i wanted to it was like 
one, two o'clock at night, but then I had to wake up for practice and the next day. So I didn't really have like, and also I was by myself with Portuguese speakers. Like they're, they're like my brothers, but like, they're not like they're, they're, they're Brazilian. So they're not your best friends. Is the yeah. They're your, they can be your yeah. friends, but they're not, it's not the same as your like local group of friends you probably hang out with regularly. Yeah. Something. So it was like, it was just like, I was, I was the whole, it was like the whole rush thing. Like when he first got there, he was super depressed. But like yeah. I, for me, when I hit like the two month mark of being gone, I was like, wow, this is like, I, I need to like, I need, I need a break from this. This is a lot. Cause yeah. like I got, I first got there, like it was like a dream come true. But then every day is every single day is the same. So then it, it takes a toll on you. Yeah. I, I actually, when you put it, somehow when you put it like that, it just struck me. Like when I played for ASIO and we had to move into that team house in Oklahoma, it was just like, mm -hmm. even though it's still America, it was just foreign to it, it's it feels very foreign like i've never been i've actually never lived in a landlocked area period i'm always by an ocean in california new york and hawaii but and then it just it just oh, and then moving to oklahoma and then moving to oklahoma yeah. is just like <laughs> what, what is going on here nothing nothing's going on here actually is the answer to that question but uh it's just it's and then putting your entire life into it, it feels so different than even when you're grinding on teams before that, it feels like because you're at home, there's that kind of work-life balance where after practice, you can kind of go back to your Relax. Life. Yeah, yeah, your relaxation period is much more to your liking. Whereas when you're in a new area, the way you relax is not the same. Like, I don't, e mm -hmm. I don't even know what to, I don't even know what to do there. Like, I was like, I can't go see my friends after I have to hang out with my teammates. And then it just feels like the, the constant, like the feeling of having to work with people like I don't if anybody works a normal job they probably know that they don't always want to work with they don't want to hang out with their coworkers after work every day and that's the only people you know over there so it's mm -hmm. such a it's such a different experience and like but I think that's the one way I can put it to someone that works like a 9 to 5 that like you know once a week maybe hang out with your coworkers but not not every day like you don't want to do yeah. that so. you can't escape it like yeah. it's not like it's, i wouldn't say it's a nine to five counter strike it's like a nine to five job not, if right. you want to be the best you have to do it like every single day all day yeah it's a life it's a life choice it's your life yeah yeah okay i mean on the plus side you never had your sheets stolen away in the middle of the night and the power turned off when you were at that house so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true stories. true Please. yeah classic <laughs> uh okay uh Let's go into the question of the week. We'll finish up with this. And I don't think the graphic's going to work, guys. I'll, no, it's not, it's not going to work, actually. Almost surely. Let me see. I'll try it for anybody actually watching the YouTube thing. Nope, it's very messed up. We're not doing that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the question is, so the question is, so that uh, people don't have to read it there, is something that's been striking me lately when I've been watching a lot of CS is that it feels like there's this balancing act between being proactive and reactive with the way that teams like to play. And I would say a team that's very reactive, for example, is like NIP. They're very reactive. They play like back a lot of the time and they let the action come to them. Not saying that they don't have reactions to it, but they don't usually kick things off. In terms of proactive versus reactive play, and like a proactive play or team would be more like VP where they send you kinder on some mission to start every round. In terms of those two, what do you think uh, is the best balance for, uh, or what, well, actually, I'll, I'll, make, I'll make it a two-part question. Do you think one is better for Counter-Strike than the other? And Mix, what do you think is better? Do you think being proactive is better or being reactive is better? 
Uh, generally proactive, but I mean, it can kind of depend, right? For me, the big yeah. thing is just making sure that, like, if you do, like, I think playing reactive is fine. It also can just depend on, like, the players you have, right? Um, but, like, if you are playing reactive, like, you need to still be playing kind of, like, proactive within, like, that, that window, right? Like, you can't just be, like, reacting to people and then just, like, letting them come into your angles. Especially in, like, online CS, where, like, peaking peakers advantage is, like, so strong. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just be, like, holding angles, like, all day and then yeah. just, like, doing nothing. You need to have, like, okay, if they do this, how are we going to, like, actually react to it? You know what I mean? Like, yes. I think it's fine to do that. It's, like, especially something I might even do. It's, like, you know, you start off the round by, like, not doing much and just kind of, like, reading a team so you know what to do. Um, especially early. Like, you need to understand kind of, like, how you're playing off of that most of the time and what, like, what, like, map control you're going to take, how you're going to take it. Um, what flashes you have to like take engagements when like another team's like trying to play the site, or like you know, understanding what timings you can um, like what timings you can like flash into something and clear it, or you know like try to take fights on it. Um, you know, playing buddy system, pushing stuff together, how you want to react and do stuff like that. Um, I think it's it's kind of like a balance in terms of like which ones of which almost. It's kind of weird, kind of weird to it, think it about. Switches in in yeah. small instances. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, yeah, in general, it's like you need to like kind of like have a plan of some sorts. And like, even if you are playing reactive, like you need like actual reactions, you know, not just stuff that like, oh, they're doing stuff. And then I'm just like reacting just like whatever my mind comes up with in that moment, you know, how oh, I'm going to play off of that. And I'm just thinking about it within that instance. Like if you are playing reactive, it needs to be like it's something to be like pre-planned stuff in terms of like how you're playing off of how, how you're playing off of stuff. Junior, what do you what do you think? I think that's what makes that that's what makes Gambit so good, is that they have every single reaction like fleshed out. Yeah. But sometimes they like you'll see they'll play the most basic CS you'll ever see, and then two rounds in a row they'll just like run at you like you're some MM noob. <laughs> so they always keep you like guessing. They there's that's why they're really hard to play against. Like you you never know what they're gonna do, but you know what they're gonna do. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hate some teams. Like, some teams, like, you know, like, the B defaulter is just going to be chilling, you know, holding yeah. map control, stuff like that. And then with Gambit, like, Axel is just peeking fucking short all the time, just, like, randomly yeah. just taking dry fights. Yeah. Or, like, on Entro Peak, Forrester, like, will just, like, walk out monster by himself. Like, I remember one time, like, we played we played them in a scrim on C9 um, when they were still Windstrike. And Forrester was just walking out monster on Floppy all the time and just killing him. Like, just taking, like, a one-on-one dry fight. And it's so hard to, like, fight, like, if you're not winning the fight, right? Like, it's such a, it can be such, like, a strong peak, especially if someone's comfortable with taking, like, the barrel fight and whatever. So it was, like, the next time when, like, we, the next time when we wanted to, put, to play them in a match, we thought we were going to play them on Overpass, we told Floppy they're just buying off at barrel. Like, yeah. we're just like, yeah, fuck this I guy, like, this. just hold him. Yeah. We're like, dude, fuck him, just hold him. Like, just, just buy an off, just buy a second off. Like, yeah. normally the barrel guy doesn't do it, but, like, whatever. Right. If he wants to do that, then, like, you just need to buy an off and just hold him. It is and I think counter. sometimes, I feel like, yeah. I feel like some teams are scared to, like, go for like the second op or like on like certain spots or like you know do like certain things that are just reacting and punishing a team like that mm-hmm. uh to like junior what do you think would be the right balance for a team like what percent and you can split it up by side so if you think ct side is more reactive t side is one like would you say like a good t side is 80 20 more proactive than reactive or like what what kind of percentages are in your head when you think of what the what the optimal amount I think if you have like a hmm if you have like I don't think I think you can be more active on T side than you can C T. Yeah. You have a lot more space to play. 
because on CT, I think it, de it depends on based off like what's happening in the round. But if you like say like a 4v4 and you need info, I think you can only like you can't really like send like an anchor to go do it. It's got to be like an opper or like an aggressive rifler. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a hard question. Hmm. I well, think like okay. How about how about the how about I put it like this? Uh, do you think well? On T side, you want to be more proactive than reactive because you have, you eventually have to get into a bomb site, like obviously. Yeah. So, so, what what do you think? How much? How much more? God, it's so hard. It's so hard to give it like an exact way to even ask this. But like, what percentage more do you think you want to be proactive on T versus CT? Like, would you say you're like twice as uh, like like seventy percent more proactive, or just like a tad more, or like? Yeah, I think on CT, your only reactions come off the T's reactions, so you don't really like you. Sh you can't just really be just be reactive because of no reason. Mm -hmm. so your only your only reactions on CT side are the actions of the T. Well, like sometimes you will want to do like mid, con like an aggressive mid play on Mirage, for example, mm -hmm. as a CT, like run your rifler up and like do that that two mid setup where the opera holds top and the, the rifler and valley holds like the underpass thing. Like, so you have to get into those setups sometimes, but like, do you think a team should run? I think that? like 20, 10, 20%. Yeah. I don't just, think that like should be a couple times a half, couple times. Yeah. yeah. That's like a, that's like a, it's like a span you throw out there and if it works, that's like a free round. But mm -hmm. if it doesn't, then the CT money is obviously hard to balance. So yeah. you're going to be, going to be, you got to do it correctly. You can't do it on like the first gun round that you lose because then you lose it's 04, then it's 05. Yeah. Then you have no money. No, what do you, you got any opinions on proactive versus reactive? Yeah, I mean, I think on, on two points. One is that I think it changes map to map as well because some maps you do have to be more proactive than reactive. Like, for example, on Dust 2, on a long rush, like your B player probably wants to be proactive or like react and push up or B if you know that they're going out long with four people, mm -hmm. for example. Um, or like on Mirage, if you have someone that you you know they're taking mid with three people, then you probably want your A guy or your B guys to push either A ramp or into into apps and try and take that one on one, right? So like, there's a lot of reactions that can be done, but depending on the map, there's more like different proactive options as well. I think like ten twenty percent is probably the right breakdown on that, like because there's only so much that you can really do until you're just like. If someone's defaulting like Gambit does so much, like you're just gonna start feeding into them. You're gonna grief, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it's like there's there's only like a certain level to that that it's effective. So yeah, I think I think that's about right. Okay, what do you think though, Junior? What do you think? What do you think Art's number though would be for for being hundred percent? Just just always hundred percent without a doubt. Yeah, just always do it on his own terms. <laughs> like I think. Oh no, Mix is gone again. Jesus Christ. Okay, well, I think I think that it like for your role, you're you're an opera, I guess. I guess I mean I guess you call your play pretty often though. Like you're, I mean if you would want to ideally call it pretty often. So, well, okay, this was kind of a hard question to balance. Actually, I've realized. And uh, how about I structure it like this? If you okay, if you're looking at the top five teams in the world right now. Like in oh shoot, 
I don't want to I don't want to bring that up on my screen because then I, I just ruin everything. If you guys looked at the top five teams in the world right now, would you label any of them as like which ones would you label as proactive versus reactive gambit? BP or proactive. BP would be proactive, yeah. Yeah. How about how about heroic? I think they're pretty proactive. I'll mm-hmm. say they, yeah, I would say they're more they're proactive pro- proactive yeah. than the other other three. Yeah. Yeah, Katie especially. Okay, how about yeah. We, yeah, we rank we rank them like reactive to proactive. VP's the most proactive, heroic second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. about that what about between Navi, G2 and Gambit? I think G2 would go in the third spot and then I think it's hard cuz Gambit have Naphne and Navi have Boomich. Yeah. Yeah. Navi also have simple. I'd say G2 is like the most reactive out of those teams. You think G2 is more reactive than than her, uh, Gambit and and Navi? I don't know about Gambit, but I think more so than Navi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you think Navi might be the most reactive of these mix? No, I'm saying Navi's more proactive oh, than G2. Okay. Is. No, he's saying like yeah, Gambit, yeah. Uh, Navi, G2, right? So they're just going one to five, and the most re- the most proactive. It team actually is. is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always like that. It's not always like that. Yeah. But, but today it looks like it might be. Yeah. I mean, if if G2 and Heroic were switched yesterday then yeah. then it wouldn't be like this but okay well i think i think g2 is the most reactive team is what i was saying so they're the least oh, proactive okay. team. really yeah i think in the middle i think last year they were way more pro i will say i think they were way more proactive pre uh nico uh i feel like nico kind of lets things kind of come to him a little more that being said he can be an aggressive rifler at times mm-hmm. on ct side but he but yeah i kind of i can see that i can yeah. see that but between like Boomish and Simple, there's no way Navi's more reactive than, than G2 is. Right. Okay. Both of those two are always like making the game come to them. Yeah. More. When, yeah. When you when you look at G2, like the only guy that really feels like an aggressive rifler has to be Jax. And then Omnic Jax, is, yeah. is actually probably other than ooh, Yeah, and then even with Jax, I feel like he's more just like operating within like what he's told to do. Yeah, he just does rather the, than just like makes the play yeah. that they, they outlined already. Okay. All right, that's kind of a, a funky way to sum this one up. Uh, okay, I think that's going to be it. So this is where we normally do plugs for anything you want. You want so Junior, what what you, what have you got coming up, or what do you want people to follow, or what do you want people to to know? Um, right now, I think I'm just like following my YouTube and Twitter because okay. Twitter will obviously have the updates to like what's happening next, which I have no clue. And on my Twitter, you can see all my socials on my pinned tweet. And yeah. Cool. Follow Junior's Twitter. It's right there, actually, beneath his webcam. So uh, check him out there. Mix, what have you got? Shout out to Nordivan, new team. Usually Pretty you nice. shout out to a player. Who, who are you shouting out on Nordivan? Well, it's a team this time because I got a new team. Okay, you got you to gotta do that one first then. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And then we'll go, and then we'll go to players. The one yeah. player is Pimp, who's the streamer for Nordevent. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, no, what have you got? Uh, yeah, I really just follow my Twitter as well. Nothing else. Uh, no, shout I'm out not. Bad News Bears. Not not right now, but shout out Bad News Bears merch drop. It's on the 23rd. Oh, the 23rd. That Set your calendars. Mm-hmm. Go buy it. Set your alarms. Buy the, buy the B&B drop. It's going to sell out quick. Okay. It will, actually. Probably will, yeah. That's a good. That's good. That's good. I'd like, love to see it. I'll just shout out um, Pernogo, even though he's not here this time, as you guys may be able to tell by watching this, because everybody's webcam is static, 
and uh, they, there's black boxes weirdly <laughs> around everybody's stuff. Either way, shout out to him. He's not here. So maybe I shouldn't shout him out. But no, he actually gave me the overlay and like showed me how to run it and everything like that. So uh, I do have to give him props for that. Other than that, just be sure to subscribe to the YouTube. It looks like we might be getting some more It's Server Time podcasting. There was a long hiatus there. But we are back for now. And if we can get, as long as we can really get guests and keep it going, then we'll keep it going. Um, so sub to the YouTube and just follow, follow everybody's Twitter. All right, peace. As long as our guests have webcams, you know. Shout, shout out also to the... Uh, to the Patriot, the people that still subscribed on Patreon, you guys are weird, but I appreciate you for still paying us. So <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah, big shout out. All right, that's going to be it. Well, oh, the comeback.